Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's happening, Mike Schmidt, 40-Year-Old Boy Podcast? I'm going to tell you this, and it's going to sound awful because I'm the oldest man alive. My back hurts. Like, in, in like, the weird kind of, like, right up on my shoulder blade where the fucking muscle is. Do you know, do you guys have muscles in your back? I got plenty. And I got <laughs> I got so many muscles in my back, it's frightening. And one of them is acting up. It's, hey, I got a trick back. You know what? I might have a trick muscle in my back. Which, And I don't mean by that that it's, like, from the prestige and it's bouncing rubber balls in from one uh, Chinese cabinet to another. I mean, it's just, it's hurting. It's not good. So if periodically I go, the, you'll know what's happening. Um, what if I did that every week? What if I just, what if that was just part of the show? That was a built-in feature. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. Uh, it's Charles Nelson Riley. That's what happens when he's got a bad back. He's had match game and he goes, uh, fuck my back. All right. I'm old and falling the fuck apart. What the fuck, man? I don't understand this. You know, I had a good dinner. I had paella tonight, uh, which everybody loves and enjoys. It's Wednesday. I should tell you this. First of all, let's all let's stop and let's bow our heads and let's have a moment of silence for Mike's fantasy chances. Mike's fantasy baseball team. Now, look, I have spared you guys. I don't want to hear a fucking complaint out of you. I have spared you of this talk the entire goddamn year. You know how long the baseball season is like fucking seven months. And I haven't bored you to tears with any of this bullshit. And yet and yet the final week, the home stretch. You're going to fucking hear about it, man, because why not? Otherwise, you know what? Because here's the thing. My life is nothing anymore. I don't do anything. So you're either going to hear about my fantasy baseball team or my bad back, because this is episode two of year 12 of the 52nd year of my goddamn life. And it's just all downhill from here. I am just, I am rolling downhill like a big ass boulder. I can see a fucking fedora in front of me and I'm hoping to just steamroll the shit out of it before it gets to the plane with Dan fucking Aykroyd. God damn it. Does my back hurt? Uh, and I didn't think it would like, I, and I'm not joking to you. I'm in a hotel room and I'm talking to you and I'm sitting here. Uh, and, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, the back starts hurting. I'm for, and also let me go ahead and talk about this really quick. Everybody is very nice. Thank you so much for reaching out for the past six days, quote, seven days, whatever the fuck and saying, Hey, are you okay? 
and then telling me, here's what you really need to do. I, by the way, I appreciate that. By the way, everybody who called up some voodoo cure that I had, Hey, you should get some of those gravity bracelets and hang from a fucking doorknob. Yeah, that's what I should do. I can't even sit in a hotel room chair without my back fucking up. You think I'm going to climb into a goddamn gravity boot? That's never happening. Who the fuck am I? Brad Pitt? Uh, Because he's in a gravity boot in his new movie, right? Isn't there a space movie? What the fuck is with space movies in September? Why do they always do that? Every every time this uh, September comes along, there's a white guy in space and he's sad. What the fuck is that too? Uh, you know what? Make a movie where everybody goes and parties in space. Where's Paulie Shore when you fucking need him? Let's have a biodome in fucking space where he goes up and he smokes some weed and they all giggle like idiots. And then Stifler shows up because why the fuck not? He's not doing anything these days. There you go. Let's make a happy space movie. Space is a cold place. Let's go bring some warmth to it. Let's bring some fun. Let's go ahead and gather up the crew. Let's find the guys. Let's get the Bowery Boys. That seems old and I've just dated myself. As if I wasn't 52 enough. I've just brought up the Bowery Boys. Holy shit. I wish I wish Hunts Hall was here to hit me in the head for that. Absolutely. Go ahead and Google that shit. Um, hold on, Siren. I'm in, a, I'm in a weird place. I'm in a very strange place. I'm doing this broadcast in a different place. I'm bringing you this show from a place that you don't understand. From a place you'll never understand. A place you couldn't understand. <laughs> Dottie, let me tell you about this show. Uh, all right, my back, I don't understand. So everybody, and also, this is weird, my neck hurts now too, and my back. And get this, my pussy and my crack. Holy shit, are they in pain? Um, all right, so here's the deal, folks. Thank you for reaching out and telling me about things that are bad or good with me and how I should go see a doctor. You're all right. I'm going to tell you this. Everybody who reached out to me and said, hey, Mike, you should really go see a fucking doctor. You're not wrong. I absolutely should go see a doctor. However, uh, I just, I, you think my back hurts now? Uh, how, how bad do you think it's going to feel when it's under $5,000 of crushing debt? I couldn't possibly take that chance. I couldn't make the leap. So I had to just kind of hide in my house and hope that whatever the fuck was going on would stop. And I'm here to tell you uh, a good, well, what are we, 10 days out? Because it, it was really Sunday, the whatever the fuck. I don't know what today is. Today's the 25th, I think. So we'll go back. That's the 18th. And we'll drop. I'm going to say Sunday, the 13th. That's what I'm guessing. Sunday, the 13th. No, that would be the 20th. That would make this the 23rd. I can't do math on the fly. Actually, you know, it's the only thing I can do. I can do math on the fly, but I don't know. I think it was Sunday. I'm going to say Sunday, the 15th, which would make this last Sunday, the 22nd. That makes today the 25th because I'm recording this on a Wednesday. Yeah, I think I'm right. So we'll say it was Sunday, the 13th. And that's uh, that's when I started to feel better. And then I brought you the show last Wednesday and I, and I really thought I was hitting some stride. I'm like, all right, I'm OK here. But here we are the 25th possibly, or the 26th. I don't know. I'm guessing the 25th off the top of my head, but it is Wednesday and it's a week later and I'm feeling much better. Or at least I was until I turned on the microphone for this fucking show. And I don't know what the fuck is happening with my back. Cause here's another thing. Here's what's happening now. And look, I know year 12 is just, should just be called dig the grave. That's all it is right now. We're just, we're going ahead and putting me six feet fucking under. We're preparing me for my exit. When I shuffle off this mortal coil, uh, I will die. This podcast, however, get this, we'll live on. I already have a line of succession built in place. So please make sure you still subscribe to the show even after I'm gone because I've, I've been, all right, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, you ever see those master classes they do online where like fucking, uh, uh, you know, John Tesh is like, here's how you play a keyboard. Now send me $75 or whatever the fuck. It's like, it's so dumb. I don't understand why people do that. And yet I didn't think I understood why people did that. All of a sudden it's uh, uh, David Mamet. Is it, is it David Mamet? I think I'm getting the name correct. Uh, world famous writer, writer of uh, sexual perversity in Chicago, uh, famous jujitsu practitioner, David Mamet, famous foul potty mouth playwright, David Mamet, who wrote Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I believe. Uh, he also has a, a class where it's like, Hey, you want to learn how to write a play? Send me fucking $75. And you're like, done. 
Well, I'm going to do that, folks. I'm going to have a masterclass online for podcasting where you can go ahead and not just podcasting for how to do this podcasting. This is you want to learn how to do because look, anybody can podcast. That's the thing. You know, this always makes me fucking laugh. I can't I can't lie. There's I belong to like a show business group, quote unquote show business. I can't believe I just said that fucking phrase, but that's what they call it. It's like show business jobs or whatever the fuck. It's a thing on Facebook. It's a closed group. But inevitably, it's somebody who's like, hey, man, anybody can anybody draw? I can give you five dollars to make a flyer. And it's like, get the fuck out of here, man, because that's the thing. There's built in rules on this page. Um, People will offer that what they call, quote unquote, show business jobs. And then inevitably, someone will go, hey, man, that's not fucking the going rate for a job like that. I actually did that when I first joined the page. I think I might have even talked about that in the show a couple of of, of, it might have been two years ago. Um, Some dude put up a thing and he's like, hey, stand up comics. Are you hilarious? Of course you are. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a stand up comic. (laughs) Anyway, me and my team are putting together a package for the Detroit airport and we're looking for comedians to come in and do their act. We will film you and then a hologram of you will be in the Detroit airport. We're not sure how long this will last, probably at least for the rest of the year. It might be two or three years even. Well, yeah, we'll just let you know $50 if you come in and and you go ahead and you perform your act and we'll and we'll use your hologram in the Detroit airport in perpetuity. And uh, I read that. And again, I didn't know the rules of the page I had just joined. And so I went ahead and I wrote a thing and I said, excuse me, are you really offering somebody $50? And because they also, they wanted you to do 10 minutes. That was the best part. As if, look, I've been in the fucking airport. I don't even want to stand in line in the Southwest boarding group for 10 fucking minutes. So I sit my fat ass in a fucking chair until they get to like, if I'm a 15 and they go get a one through whatever board, I jump up and I leap into the line. I'm like, fuck you stand aside. I'm not going to stand there. Cause inevitably it's always that thing where everybody stands there and shoe gazes. And then there's that fucking scrum about whose number is what's number. My buddy, Justin was just telling me about that today. He's like standing there. He's boarding Southwest today and he's a 54. And then there's a group of people standing in front of him and they're just kind of talking and milling about. And then they start kind of encroaching on his space. And then he's standing to the side and then he's blocking people as they're trying to get on the fucking plane. And then finally he looks at one of them and he goes, hey, what number are you? They're like A56. He goes, okay, well, you're behind me. And then they all fucking, they give him the look like it's his fault. And I told him, I go, dude, fuck that. I swoop in like Miley Cyrus on a fucking wrecking ball and I take out the entire fucking crew. If it's Southwest and I got a boarding number that's ahead of you, get thee behind me, Satan, you fuck. Because I need to sit by a goddamn window. Because the odds are I need to sit on the right-hand side by a goddamn window and there's only, what, fucking 30 rows on a plane? 23, whatever the fuck. Now, of those 30 rows... Like fucking 20 of them have a giant bulkhead that you got to lean on. I need I need those seats where I can actually lean my shoulder and my head into the window. So that that decreases my odds to where I now need there's like eight seats on the plane that are livable for me. There's only eight seats on the plane that I want to fucking sit in. So if you've got like literally if I'm 54 and you're 55, you are going to fucking be behind me because there are some people who are like cheerful, like, haha, we'll all get on the plane anyway. And I'm like, fuck you, man. I will stuff you in the overhead fucking compartment if you take my seat uh, because it's just and look, blame Southwest. Don't blame me. This is their strategy. They're the ones who said, hey, what if we open an airline, but we made it just like Lord of the Flies? Wouldn't that be great? And everybody was like, all right, that sounds fine. Give Piggy the conk and everybody get in fucking line, please. Know your numbers. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? I don't even remember. I have no idea. Um, I was talking, you know, I, I was, uh, all right, I, I'm going to pivot back to this. I know this part I was talking about, um, that I was starting to teach a podcasting masterclass about how to do this podcast. And so then I went into the show business page and they were talking about everybody who was lining up there and trying, well, oh, so that's what perpetuity, fucking airport. So I wrote on the thing and I'm like, dude, 
Are you really asking a professional comedian to burn 10 minutes of their act for 50 bucks and you can use it in perpetuity as a hologram in the fucking airport? Uh, and again, like I said, like anybody would ever watch 10 minutes of stand up in the fucking airport. That just sounds that sounds alarming. I don't want to watch 10 minutes of stand up in a fucking club. But uh, but I wrote that out and then everybody like I got a, a note from the person who organized the page. They're like, hey, look, man, this is just for listing jobs. If you don't want to take it, you don't have to. But there's no we're not shouting anybody down and we're not causing and I, I was like, oh, whoa, whoa. All right. I didn't realize this was fucking Altamont. Back the fuck off, hippies. I didn't know that we're all in this together. Um, and so and since that day, I so but I did. I apologize. I didn't I didn't come on like a stiff prick. It's their fucking page. They let me in. And I apologize. I go, hey, look, you're right. I didn't mean for that. To, I didn't. I wasn't trying to. I, I And not on the page, by the way, I didn't apologize. I, I'm not about to back down in front of the crowd. But in private, I'll write the person who runs the page. And I said, hey, look, I apologize. I didn't know the rules. I'm new. And they were very nice. And they said, oh, that's OK. No problem. Um, but since then I see, cause then they change it from show business jobs to just paying gigs available. So now it's just a side hustle page. So there are people who are like, excuse me, I need a director of photography for a short film and I can offer you $18 an hour, which whatever the fuck, I don't know. That's the going rate for a DP. I got no fucking clue, but then there'll be someone who's like, Hey everybody who wants to help me move a couch. Do you own a truck? Come on over to my house at 10 o'clock in the morning and I'll tell you what cereal is available and $11 or whatever the fuck. It's, it's just one of those things. And I'll t- I'm always actually, I gotta be honest. I am fucking, I guess the word I would use is depressed. I'm depressed to see the people who leap in to fucking take those shitty gigs. Like I, I want $11 on a Sunday morning at eight. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, have some pride for fuck's sake. Nobody's going to move a mattress for Apple Jackson, 11 bucks, I think. And then all of a sudden, 80 people want to move a fucking mattress for Apple Jackson, 11 bucks. What the fuck? Now, I like Apple Jacks, certainly. And that might be worth getting me out of the goddamn door, but not at eight in the fucking morning. If you had Apple Jacks for dinner, if you said seven o'clock PM, maybe, maybe. And also, by the way, I've got to eat the entire box of Apple Jacks. Have we negotiated this yet? If you're just offering like a bowl of Apple Jacks or a handful of Apple Jacks or even worse, a spoonful of Apple Jacks or what the fuck? What if they buy those fucking little snack packs? Ever see that shit? The fuck? Who thought that was a good idea at fucking Cereal Inc.? Where they just fucking put a bunch of snack packs in a goddamn... Like, it looks like a Charmin package. You know how they stack up all the toilet paper and cellophane and it's all smacked together? Well, they do that with cereal now. And the cereal's in like a pudding cup. And you open it up and that's not... You know what? I'm going to tell you this. If you've got Apple Jacks in a pudding cup, lose the S. That's because you open that cup. You know what's in there? Apple Jack. You got one, one motherfucking piece of miserable cereal that I can choke the fuck down. Fuck you, man. I want Apple Jacks. I want a plethora of Jacks. I want a pile of fucking Apple Jacks. I want to, I want to dive in to a fucking Scrooge McDuck swimming pool of fucking Apple Jacks. You motherfuckers don't fucking limit my Apple Jack intake. The fuck do you think you are, man? If I want to get morning diabetes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in a big fucking way. Not one piece at a goddamn time. I'm looking to off myself, motherfuckers. Supply all the Apple Jacks and get out of my way. Uh, so these people put these jobs up, man. What was the other one? I just saw. Oh, get this, dude. The Internet's a fucking grift. We all know that. It's a fucking racket. So this woman put up a thing. She's like, hey, who out there is interested in reviewing restaurants for money? And uh, and and you might as well just say who likes vegetables who likes eating who likes breath you know what i mean because it's the internet we're all looking for a fucking scam everybody wants to review restaurants for money it's like when you were a kid and they'd be like hey stuffing envelopes you get a hundred dollars for the every 10 envelopes you stuff and then you you know you send away for a fucking book and they send you a book with charles atlas and muscles and a guy kicks sand in your face you don't wind up stuffing any envelopes you're out fucking nine bucks that sucks so this woman with the fucking reviews i the second i read it i knew i knew exactly what it was you know what it is right you guys all know because it's a fucking scam. It's Yelp. 
So what they do is they they hire people to fucking to spam Yelp with good reviews for restaurants who pay. Because I also read the opposite side of this. Yelp will call restaurants and go, hey, look, unless you advertise with us, we're going to have people go ahead and write bad reviews about your restaurant. And you're going to get fucking crushed. And that's the truth. Yelp does that. They fucking and because the, you know why? Because the Internet is phony. Nobody gives a fuck. That's why whenever I talk to somebody, they're like, hey, I went to Yelp, but it's got like this good. Re-. I'm like, dude, dude, Yelp is for fucking maniacs. Google reviews are for maniacs. Anybody would take the time. It's like when you go to Amazon and you're like, and you, literally I, I bought, what did I just buy on fucking Amazon? I bought a, I bought a watch band for my Apple uh, watch because I got to go to the gym and I don't like sweating on my metal band. So I bought this watch band. I have received no less than three emails from the watch band company that I spent $6.95 with asking me to please give a five-star review to their product and make sure that I tell everybody the ins and outs of how good their watch band is so people will go ahead and drum up business and go ahead and buy more fucking watch bands from these. And I just, I'll tell you what, if you think there's a bunch of Chinese kids dying in the, in the Apple watch knockoff watch band fucking factory, Imagine how many Chinese kids are dying in the knockoff Apple watch band email section of the goddamn factory. They're they're the ones who are really getting it done because the kids that are breathing noxic fumes and putting together fucking uh, I, I, I watch fucking knockoff wristbands. That's fine. But that kid who has to type out an email to me to ask for a five star review, they're whipping the shit out of that kid. You know, he's dying. He's just got fucking blisters all over his goddamn fingers. Poor wing low. Uh, is that a Chinese name? I'm not sure if it is. Wing Lo could be. Is that Korean? Could be Korean. They build, I don't know where they build these things. But uh, but yeah, so these these motherfuckers, this Yelp review lady, she's like, yeah, man, we'll totally pay you. So I, I fucking jumped in. I was like, I was like, why not? So I wrote her because look, because look, that's all I can do. I can talk and I can write some stylistic bullshit review. Hey, I like soup. This soup was delicious. Who can't who can't write that? Include me. But then it turns out there's a fucking there's a catch. There's always a fucking catch. I mean, I could sit down and fucking, what's that called? CSO. What the fuck is that thing where it's like you, you, you trick people into doing shit. There's, there's people who do that thing where it's clickbait. Like I've talked about it before. Fear of loss of gain, all that shit. Well, this, this, this fucking, I mean, I can, I can write stuff on Yelp that tells people, Hey, you know what? I had the bread and the bread was delicious, but then the real meal came and I was like, Holy fuck. The bread was a meal in itself. Go to this restaurant. Five stars done. Pay me. But first of all, I'm sure they're paying like 30 cents for every completed review. So there's no fucking money there. It's just a fucking scam. But also, uh, she says to me, I write her and I'm like, all right, I'm in. What do you what do you need me to do? And look, I recognize there's no talent needed for this gig. It's not like she's going to go send me some writing samples. Because <laughs> what am I going to say? Mmm, sandwiches are delicious. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get that gig. Oh, oh, folks, do you like apples? You will love the fuck out of these apples. I mean, I'm, I'm, look, I'm ready. I'm locked and fucking loaded because she's not going to want samples. But if she wants them, I've got them all fucking day. Marshmallow fluff. You should have called this marshmallow not enough because I ate a jar in one sitting. Holy fuck. Now, look, I recognize the holy fuck and stuff like that would probably have to come out of the Yelp reviews. But if you want my samples, you want to see exactly how enthusiastic I am. So I'm going to fucking include that shit, baby. Listen, you think you've had celery, but you've never had celery until you've had this restaurant celery. Holy shit, crunchy and tastes like nothing. Uh, So she wants me to she's like. I write her and I'm like, I can do this, man. Whatever the fuck you need me to do. I can, I, 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 I'm in literally, I, I almost with like a weird 
joie de vie. Cause I knew I was never getting the gig. I knew that they didn't want samples, whatever the fuck, but I was like, I, cause I know the drill. I know what she's going to ask, but I, when I'm in, what do you need? And she's like, and, I, and this is the grift. She's like, how many reviews do you have on Yelp? And I said, none, never use it. Don't have an account. <laughs> and thus ended my correspondence with Doreen, the woman from Yelp. Cause like what all they're trying to do is they're trying to buy your audience. They're trying to buy your cachet. They're trying to buy your fucking name. And like, I, Hey, look, man, I'll start a fucking account. If you want me to do that, I'll be like, you know, Hey, grilled cheese. Johnson says eat here. I mean, I'll be that fucking dude, dude. If I created a personality named grilled cheese, Johnson, I would dominate Yelp. What if I did that? What if I reviewed, what if I did this? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be grilled cheese Johnson and I'm going to review a million restaurants, but none of them will have grilled cheese. But then, but then for the, for like uh, the 999,999 restaurants, but then for the millionth, I will find a grilled cheese house and, and the internet will explode because they will wait. I will build the, the detention from everybody. They'll be like, when are you going to eat some grilled cheese? Why are you grilled cheese Johnson? If you won't eat grilled cheese, please review a grilled cheese. I'm going to build a fucking audience on Yelp. Just as grilled cheese Johnson, grilled Johnson who won't review grilled cheese. Because the mystery will be worth it. Everybody's like, why are you grilled cheese Johnson? All will be revealed. <laughs> I'll just fucking do that. Stick around, man. You'll find out. See, Doreen fucked up by not hiring me. So she doesn't even write me back. Because again, all they want is to make sure that you have a name. And I'm like, look, I can make a stupid fucking name and review Yelp shit. And, and, and I'll lie with the best of them. Oh, tortellini. More like tortellini me. Because this has made me happier than I've ever been in my goddamn life. I want to write, that's what I want to write. I want to write Yelp reviews just dripping with ennui about my entire life. Oh, soup that made me forget my dead father. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. That'll reel people in, right? Won't that get people to go to a restaurant? Let me ask you this. And I'm, gonna, I'm completely serious. If you saw a review of a restaurant and it literally said soup that made me forget my dead father, don't you go there that night. Don't you just try to find it. It's like when I talked about before, when I was like, these cookies taste like rape. And I was like, you know what? I would use that as my slogan. Because everybody buys them. Everybody in the world buys them just to see what that tastes like. I guarantee it. Whether they like it or they don't like it. everybody Because everybody would just be like so curious. They'd be like, look, nothing tastes like rape. And you'd be like, how do you know, man? These cookies, they've been working a long time. Those fucking elves are some sexually frustrated motherfuckers in that tree. Who the fuck do you know what they've been doing with their life? And then they bust out a cookie that tastes like rape. Everybody in the fucking world buys it. Cause, and here's the thing. Nobody else buys it again. Nobody ever buys it a second time. So you got to understand that this is a very limited edition product. The cookie that tastes like rape. However, I'm telling you right now, you would sell a fuck ton of them in the beginning. And then you just close up shop. Just rent. You know what? Get all the ingredients for one run, rent a factory for a week, bust it the fuck out, hire a bunch of fucking short dudes that look like elves to go ahead and make it up. Uh, and then there you go. You've now you've, you've effectively copped the, the cookie making Keebler elf experience and then channeled into a cookie that, like, quite frankly, is is just chocolate chip with some oatmeal raisin in it. But you tell them it tastes like rape and everybody's going to fucking buy it because they want to see. They demand to see who does it. Take it from Grilled Cheese Wilson. He knows. That man knows everything there is to know about cookies. And, and uh, I didn't say it. I almost said it. And I didn't. All right. Because Grilled Cheese Wilson doesn't know anything about rape. All right. So here's the thing. Johnson. Uh, Magic Johnson. What are we talking about? Well, well, because Grilled Cheese Johnson writes reviews on Yelp, but Grilled Cheese Wilson knows everything there is to know about rape. These are two different Grilled Cheese entities, Justin. 
Uh, I'm in Justin Sotero. Let me talk about this for just a second. I'm here with Justin. First of all, after this, we're going to fuck. Clearly, that's going to happen. Everybody knows that's a th- that's on the table. Uh, but I have to, unfortunately, do a show first. I couldn't. It's like, it's like, can we fuck first? He's like, do a show. I'm like, God damn it. Why? Um, I'm here at the Orlando Hotel. Let me click a pen. That's the Orlando Hotel's pen. And I'm here doing this show because my good friend Justin is in town from Phoenix and he's the best. And uh, he and his lovely wife, Mary, have hosted me many times when I go out to Phoenix. And also, I've done a show in in an Orlando uh, hotel room with our friend Justin before, as a matter of fact. One or multiple? Just one. I did one. Uh, And it was the one with We Want Michael. It was the one with Harry Styles' family when I drove them all around. Wasn't that a great story? You guys remember that? Wasn't that fun? Back before I talked about cookies that tasted about stuff like stuff. Um, So, yeah, the uh, sure enough, I'm here at Justin's hotel room doing a show. Bad back and all. He and I, I picked him up today at the airport and then I drove him here down to West Hollywood. And then he we went to dinner at a restaurant. We had some delicious. I had like I said, I had paella. He had a ribeye. We had some Brussels sprouts. Uh, I I spent way too much time showing pictures in my phone to the woman who owns the restaurant. I don't know why. That seems ridiculous. I'm like, hold on. Let me show you this picture. Hold on. Let me show you this picture. And she was very polite and very kind. And she tolerated me for as long as she could. And then she disappeared into the kitchen, which was lovely. Um, but dudes, I just I had some fucking paella that was delicious. I haven't had paella in fucking forever. It was lobster paella. It had some fucking mussels. It had some chorizo. Dudes, I cleaned house. Uh, so I, ah, fuck back. Um, and then sure. Like I said, I get to the hotel here and again. Oh, so let's, let's pivot back to all of this. Um, well, first of all, I was talking about the, uh, uh, oh, the page, the, the paying job posts, which is the fucking page where people are on, on Yelp. Um, but before that, I was talking about something else. We had, we were all over the joint. We've been all over the joint here, folks. Oh, my back, my back hurts. Um, I got a bag in a bed left back, but also, so you guys were very nice reaching out to me and going, Hey Mike, you're probably really sick. You should go see a doctor, which is very nice. Again, I don't, I, but I can't carry the debt and, and we'll see what happens. It seems like I'm fine now for 10 days. I'm feeling really myself. I'm feeling very recovered except for these two things. One, this ridiculous back thing that just started. And I'm not kidding. Right. When I hit record on my left shoulder blade, but that might be a, I worked out pretty hard today. I lifted hard at the gym. And so that might be a thing a leftover from that. Uh, cause you know, you get that cascading thing. Like I was doing, uh, chest presses today and a lot of fucking stuff on my traps. And I think my traps were trying to make up for my lats cause I did fucking rows today. And that might also fucked up my, uh, my, my lats. All right. Hi. Um, but also I have this now and I don't know how to explain it. And perhaps I'm, and look, I don't even know why I'm throwing this out to you motherfuckers. Cause inevitably everybody's like, dude, guess what? You've got uh fucking whooping cough. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, now when I sleep, periodically I lay down in bed. I often sleep in a bed and I often sleep laying down. Very rarely do I sleep standing up in bed or I've, I've all, I have sat, uh, I have done some sleeping sitting up in bed. I've done that before a million years ago when I was crazy fat. But now that I'm a normal, eh, not normal when I'm a, I'm not crazy fat. I'm just a, uh, just a house. I'm just a house. I'm not an apartment building. I'm more of a house, but I used to sit up sleeping in beds because I didn't want to get acid reflux. And then what the fuck? I'm sure I've destroyed my liver with fucking Prilosec or whatever the fuck I took. No, Axidar was the one I took. So, um, so sure enough, I'm I'm uh, in bed now, and I get periodically, occasionally, it's about once a night, and then it happens when I'm sleeping and it wakes me up. But also, it happens uh, sometimes when I'm just shifting or when I just go to bed. Uh, I get a stabbing pain near my kidney on the right hand side of my body. Now, but this feels muscular. I don't know what it is. And again, like I've said to you. 
Welcome to year 12. It is it is just phantom illnesses and what the fuck's wrong with Mike? I should I should do this fucking show from inside of an oxygen tent. I should have a catheter in. I should do all sorts of different shit. Uh, I by the way, I enjoy the all of the men who wrote me last week to say, yeah, coming at knife point. Maybe you shouldn't have said that on the show. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, it's kind of not exactly what I said. But anyway, that's fine. People, uh, people, I'm always I don't want to say amazed. I'm always amused by this, the phrases people will pick out of the show and go, it should have been called this. It should have been, I, also, I'll tell you this. Uh, people wrote me last week and they go, shouldn't have been duty calls with D-O-O-D-Y as the name of the show. And um, yeah, that was the point. I, I was never going to spell it like that for cataloging purposes because it was bad enough that I was talking about that sort of thing. I wasn't about to spell the fucking show for the rest of history with that fucking word. So uh, so it had the second. That's why I'm saying it had the double meaning there. But I could get away with using the D-U-T-Y spelling in the iTunes store because uh, the second you name your show something, duty, anything, you're done. That's it. You're no longer going to get the podcast anymore. It's done. Your master class is canceled. You better call David Mamet because he would never use a word like duty in his fucking scripts. Uh, but I'm teaching my master class. So send me 75 bucks and I will teach you how to just open up a microphone and just fucking talk about nothing that matters to anybody. Go ahead and offend people with cookies that taste like rape and Chinese kids who are forced to email you. That's good. That's exactly what I want to do. I can go ahead and do that. Send me 75 bucks. You know what? Hearing this now is a podcasting master class. Send me 75 fucking dollars, you dicks. Uh, an old man, as I've mentioned, I'm in pain. I'm in pain physically. I'm in pain mentally because my fantasy baseball team is falling apart in the home stretch and it is disappointing and I have to talk about it. Uh, I'm in a never not funny league. It's the never not funny. Uh, I, I think it's just called the never not funny league and it's Jimmy Pardo and me. And then a bunch of listener guys who are all seem to be very nice, uh, who quite frankly, I'm, I'm wondering for the season, if they got tired of my shenanigans, because I, tr- I would try to, like I would write stuff in the, I, I only did it once. Like I wrote something in the beginning of the year that I thought was funny and like nobody, I got no sold on it completely. And I was like, Oh, oh boy. Cause even at the draft, I was, um, Cause here's the deal with never not funny. All right. I love never not funny. It's my home. It was, it's where I started doing this, which is great, but there is a, you know, they've moved on from me certainly. And they've, they've cultivated an entire new audience who has no fucking clue who I am. And they probably wonder why does Jimmy keep inviting this maniac on the show once a fucking year? We don't know who this fucking idiot is. And that's fine. I totally get that. So then I, when I go to this fantasy baseball draft, these guys, some of them are kind of like, like I, my buddy Kevin was there. And so I knew him and my buddy Paul, uh, but then everybody else, you know, they, they, here's who they are. They love daddy. You know, that's their deal. They love Jimmy. They love his show. And I'm, I don't know if any of them really know who I am. So then if you don't know who I am, let's talk about this. And you're in a room with me for 10 hours. And then I start acting like me. You go, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I mean, and I don't blame them. Like I walked in when we did the draft, Bryce Harper hit a, uh, he hit a three run Homer. His first Homer is a Philadelphia Philly. And it happened while we were on a break in the draft. And I, I was on my way back to the draft room when it happened. And I walked in and I just held my phone over my head, like the fucking baby and lion King. And I just hit play and I'm like, shut up, everybody shut up. And they're like, what? And I, and you just hear the pitch. Oh, deep drive, right field. And you just hear the call of the Harper home run. And like, what the fuck? And I'm just like, yeah, Bryce Harper just hit his first homer as a Philly. God damn it. And, uh, and I had already purchased Bryce Harper in the, in the draft. So they already knew I had, I now had a three run homer from my team, whatever the fuck. But like, but there was no laugh or no acknowledgement of me being silly or no even high five or no dude or any, anything like that. They all just kind of looked at me bemused. Like, why, why are we supposed to care about that? And, uh, 
And 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 here's why. It's because I'm me, motherfuckers. I'm the goddamn talent and you're in the room with me. Shouldn't you acknowledge that I just did something that got your attention, goddammit? Uh, but no, I, I, they no sold me all of them. And, and they just kind of like, oh, and then they looked down at their draft sheets to study for the rest of the draft. And I'm like, oh man, nobody else cares about Harper's Homer. My buddy Paul did certainly cause he's a good man. Uh, so then I play in this league. So now at the draft, uh, when that happens, I decide, you know what? I'm going to win this fucking thing. God damn it. Now, look, I wanted to win anyway. I always go into these things because I want to win the fucking thing. But I was like, I was more because this is my first year in the never not funny league. And I got to be honest with you. If they take a vote, I'm assuming it's my last. That's my guess. But uh, I went up in the league and and I'm I'm playing all year long. And then uh, like I wrote something in the, like I said, in the message board and nobody answered it. It was just this. And look, I get it. These are all people. These are disparate personalities brought together by Jimmy Pardo. That's the only reason they exist in a room together. That's the only the only thing they do is they know they like they're in fantasy baseball and they love Jimmy. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guess I thought there'd be some sort of engagement or some sort of back and forth. And then trades start happening and uh, and people start offering me trades and they're garbage, man. I mean, they're like these fucking and to the point where, look, here's here's something you need to know about me as if you don't know it now after fucking 11 years and change. Uh, I don't like being underestimated or when people think that I'm stupid or that I don't get or that they're getting over on me. It drives me out of my fucking skull. So if you offer me a trade we, the way we always call it, if you offer me four dimes for a dollar. Uh, you're, you're just lucky. I don't throw your phone into the ocean. I mean, I'm I'm just like furious at that kind of fucking thing. Cause it's like, dude, what are you doing? So like, there's a guy and he offers me a trade and it's uh it's for shit. And also here's another thing I'm dominating in home runs at this time. So he offers me two guys who hit home runs and he tries to get my best player and one of my best pitchers. And I'm just like, dude, I, and I, so I gently, I was very nice with all of these guys all year long. I would write them and I'd be like, no, what if we did something like this? And I'd rework it to where I gave up something, but then they were giving me something and I was benefiting. And I promise you, look, I'm not, it's not fun for me to rip people off because that's not fair to the rest of the fucking league. I'm going to give up something and I'm going to have some pain, but also I have power to spare. So I'll give you some power because you need power, but I want to get speed back. I've done this for years. I know how to do it. So then I would try to negotiate, but then the funny thing was I would always text my buddy Paul and I would send a screenshot of the trade that was offered to me. And I go, do these fucking guys think I'm insane? Do they think I'm idiots? Like what the fuck is going on? And he'd be like, oh, I don't know, man, whatever. And then he would make a trade with that same guy. Like he would get the same person. I'd be like, wait a minute, is Paul like a double agent? Like what the fuck's happening here? I'm coming to him and I'm writing my fucking appeals. And then all of a sudden he's making trades with those same guys. What the fuck, man? So, uh, so this dude kept offering me trades and then like I, uh, I, in the meantime, I made a trade with another guy and then he wrote me and he's like, Hey, I thought I had a trade with that guy till you came along. What the fuck? And then I'm like, well, I'm not supposed to care about your team, dude. I'm supposed to care about my team. But I I was very nice. I tried to be very nice, but I dudes, you know me, I wanted to just fucking launch on all these dudes all year long. And now the worst part of it is, um, I was dominating the offensive categories. I was doing great all the way up until like fucking August. And now I've been hit by injuries. I was besieged. I, I literally lost six starting players to injuries, including three no, four in this last two weeks. I've lost seven. Holy fuck. And these last two weeks, I've lost four offensive starters. So I'm just getting my brains beat in. These guys are making up the lead because I lead in RBIs. I lead in runs. I was leading in home runs, but I get overtaken in that. Uh, I'm one stolen base behind a guy. Whatever. It's, it's just, and it's so volatile. It's me and two other guys. Yesterday, the guy was in first with 104 points and me and the other guy had 103 and a half. 
That's how volatile it was. And it can change. And you want to know how volatile it is? Uh, tonight, right now, as I speak to you, the guy who was tied with me yesterday is in first with 104. The other guy has 103. I have 102. I had a terrible fucking night tonight. And there's only four games left. And I found out my best player is now out for the rest of the year. They're going to sit him for the playoffs. Ronald Acuna Jr. And I'm just like, Jesus. And by the way, do you know how important it was for me to just tell you that Ronald Acuna Jr. is on my team? You don't give a fuck who he, who he is or what his name is. I said my best player. That should be enough. But now I need to let you know that Ronald Acuna Jr. is benched. Uh, in the in the past, you know what? Fuck this. As long as we're doing this, I'm just going to tell you. In the last two and a half weeks, I've lost Nick Senzel, Josh Bell, Ronald Acuna Jr. These guys are all out, man. Lucas Giolito, who's my fucking third best pitcher, he's gone. Uh, I lost Alex Verdugo almost seven weeks ago to an abdominal fucking core injury. Bo Bichette gets hit in the head with a pitch last week. He's gone. I've lost fucking eight bats, two arms. I think, you know what? I don't know if this is true, but it might be. I think somehow my manager may have died of a heart attack. I don't even have a fucking manager, but I appointed one just so he could fucking die. And tonight I'm with poor Justin and anybody this week. Last night, uh, Monday, I was out with my friend Michelle. And poor her, I'm just like, all right, here's the baseball standings. Take a look. And she's like, I don't give a shit, man. Yesterday, I take my brother Lenny to the airport. He gets in the car. I just hand him the phone. And he goes, what am I looking at? I go, I'm the, I'm the human ground outs. I'm at 103 and a half. And he just gives me the phone. He's like, who cares? Nobody cares. I get it. Fantasy baseball is so boring unless you're playing. But here's the thing, man. The fucking, the third place prize. Like, I, you know, if I finish in third, I'm going to make like 500 bucks. Which I need, man. I, you know that. I haven't worked for whatever the fuck. But if I finish in first place, I can win like 1700 bucks. Do you see the difference? Do you see the $1,200 difference? Do you see the Mike Schmidt difference? It's right there in your face, baby. And I am one stolen base, but now I'm three stolen bases and three home runs away from winning that. And I can't pull the trigger because all my guys are falling down and I don't know what the fuck to do. Last night I needed wins. Two of my uh, Kyle Hendricks had a he had a one nothing lead in the seventh inning. He gave up seven runs to the Pirates. The Pirates blow. Here's how bad the Pirates are. They literally had a fist fight in their clubhouse between relief pitchers, and everybody sided with the one relief pitcher because he's a good relief pitcher. And then a week later, it turns out he's been emailing a 15 year old to have sex. That's how bad the Pirates are, and they dropped seven on my guy yesterday. What the fuck, man? Furious. I hate watching it fall apart. Now, look, and I'm a guy who I won like seven years in a row in a league once before. So I recognize how everybody hates it when they watch their fucking team fall apart when mine doesn't. But right now, dude, it's just, oh, man, it's grim. I don't know what the fuck to do. And it's all like, it's, and because this is, this is what happens when you get old. This is what you have to worry about. In the old days, they whittled. In the old days, they sat on a porch with a wooden stick and a knife and just, they just made fucking piles of wood at their fucking feet. Nobody back then had to worry about Nick Senzel. Not one person. I guarantee you. Not one old whittling fucking hillbilly at a porch in Mississippi ever said, God damn it, Alex Verdugo's going to fuck me, isn't he? You know, I'm the only one, man. I got to take up whittling. I got to take up anything. I got to take up something. You know what I got to take up? I got to take up going to strange hotels and doing podcasts every week. That's what I need to do because I'm good at it. You can hear that, right? Clearly, the one thing that I'm good at is doing strange hotel podcasts. Well, actually, that sounds weird. That sounds like a podcast about strange hotels, which save your emails. I'm sure there's a podcast about strange hotels, just like there's a podcast about hotel stranges and there's a podcast about podcasts about hotels. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. We get it. All right. 
It's the medium anyone can get into. Yay. It's fucking, it's the, it's the breathing air into your lungs of entertainment. That's all it is. It's automatic. Now you just do it. Everybody's got a podcast. They flip a switch. Hey, how's it going? It's the, it's the gray show. Let's talk about color gray and anybody named gray. Uh, Oh my God. Kill yourself. Uh, (laughs) or even better. Hey, it's the Fantasy Baseball Show with Mike Schmidt. Let's talk about Nick Senzel for an hour and a half. Nobody fucking cares. Not one goddamn person. Uh, And I've been trying, folks. I've been trying to hide my brain. I don't want to stare at the baseball screen the entire fucking time. I went to the movies a couple of times last week. Here's something I did that was smart. I went to a... uh, uh, All right, brace yourselves, folks. Um, You know me. You know things that I like. One of the things I like is a movie called The Devil's Rejects. Now, there was a show, there was a movie called The House of a Thousand Corpses. Let me tell you, if you don't know The Devil's Rejects, let me explain this to you. House of a Thousand Corpses was a movie starring Sid Haig and Bill Mosley and Sherry Moon Zombie and Chris Hardwick and Rain Wilson and a couple of women whose names I don't know, but they screamed a lot. And it's about, uh, basically, it starts out where it's like, it's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre-y. It's in, it's in Texas and uh, it's, there's a lot of scrub and a lot of dust. And it turns out there's a guy like, you know, Sid Haig is a guy named Captain Spaulding and he runs a gas station and he sells fried chicken. And then these kids are coming through town and then they are, oh, wait, something happens to their tire. And then uh, and then they wind up having to go to Chop Top Mosley's house and and everything goes to hell. That's all. It's just and it is a terrorizing movie because the devils or the, the house of a thousand corpses is literally filled with a house of a thousand. It's, it's filled with a thousand corpses. There's a there's a. There's a guy named Dr. Satan. There's an underground labyrinth of tunnels and it's filled with corpses and bones. And then uh, Chris Hardwick meets a terrible fate, but it's okay because he rebounds to marry a Hearst daughter. Uh, but everybody else winds up dead. Rain Wilson is, I think he's turned into a human sculpture. Look, I know this is spoilers. I don't want to give it away, but it's happening. So that's House of a Thousand Corpses. Then Rob, and this is made by Rob Zombie. And you're, I know you're thinking to yourself, well, that that's certainly that guy's a qualified musician. Well, how is he at making movies? Well, he he made these movies. So uh, he also then off of House of a Thousand Corpses, he got to make uh, Halloween remakes where he said, hey, you know, all the mystery that we learned about Michael Myers, where we just we don't know much about him. Let's unveil his backstory so everybody knows why the fuck he's doing what he's doing. Because that, because that's what people want is they want the backstory of a mass murderer. Nobody fucking cares. So he ruined Halloween, and uh, and then he wound up getting another chance to make another movie. Well, then he went ahead and made The Devil's Rejects. Now he made The Devil's Rejects in I think 2005, and I will tell you this. Uh, look, Rob Zombie has made Dragula. He has made uh, many songs that I enjoy. He made a song that uh, that actually was used for ECW's opening credits many times that every time I hear it, I immediately see chairs piling in and hitting Raven and everybody else in the fucking head. It's amazing. So uh, so Rob Zombie's music career, I'm well acquainted with his movies. Like I said, House of a Thousand Corpses is is one I enjoy, but it does lose the plot with about a third of the way through the film. You're like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know. But then he makes the Devil's Rejects and he makes what is quite frankly the uh, the closest thing you will get to a 70s grindhouse movie, and he makes it in 2005. It is, the soundtrack is pure 70s. It opens up, it literally takes, it literally starts right where House of a Thousand Corpses ends, even though it's made like six years later. 
And uh, Sherry Moon Zombie and and Bill Mosley are brother and sister, and they live in a house with their mom. And like I said, it's filled with body parts in this on the stove. I mean, they just they've killed and raped hundreds of people, and that's not an over exaggeration. That is who they are. They live for mayhem. So in this movie, uh, it starts and then the cops are pulling in to where they live. And there's bones everywhere. And they have a guy named Tiny who loves them. He's a giant monster. And then I know it, it works. Trust me. Believe me. You have to see it. So Tiny lives there. He's a giant monster. Mother Fire. They all have names from Groucho Marx movies. It's a, it's, it's a whole thing. The cops come. There's a shootout. And then uh, Sherry Moon Zombie and Bill Mosley escape. Their mother is kidnapped. And uh, it turns out their father is Captain Spaulding slash Sid Haig. So they call him and they tell him what's up. Now, in Rob Zombie's movies, he always brings back these people from the 80s or the 90s that you might sort of recognize. Kind of like a dime store Tarantino. Like uh, Ken Foray is in this movie. Now, if you don't know Ken Foray, Ken Foray is in the original Dawn of the Dead. He's one of the people who actually takes over the shopping mall and he survives there. He's that guy. So he brings that actor back. He brings back E.G. Daly. Now, if you don't know who E.G. Daly is, E.G. Daly is in the aforementioned Pee-wee's Big Adventure. She's Dottie. Dottie, there's things you couldn't understand, things you wouldn't understand. E.G. Daly is also in a movie called Valley Girl. Uh, where she, and also E.G. Daly is, she had a recording career. E.G. Daly is like ridiculously weird hot, even though she's now like probably 60. Uh, I can't explain to you what it is. I'm sure it's just nostalgia or whatever coursing through my veins, but you see her and you're just like, oh man, you know what? She would look terrific on top of me. But also I will tell you this, uh, E.G. Daly in this movie, in, in, certainly in Devil's Rejects and in, in, I've seen other things. She's, uh. She's fucking bananas. Like, I, I don't know what's happened to this poor woman. I don't know if she's just kind of playing a role of being crazy or, or fucking weird. She's just weird. She's a weird dude. And in this movie, also, because I will tell you this. All right. Rob Zombie makes this movie. It feels like a grindhouse movie. There's one thing that he does that I don't understand. Uh, Rob Zombie does not get comedy. I will tell you this right now. He doesn't understand comedy. I think he lets people try to improvise stuff that he thinks might be funny. And then for some reason, he leaves it in the movie. There's a scene where Ken Foray. And uh, the guy from the Hills Have Eyes, the bald guy, I can't remember, Michael Berryman, that's his name. Michael Berryman and Ken Foray go to buy a chicken because they're going to cook chicken. And it turns out that the farmer uh, asks them, hey, you guys going to you're not going to fuck these chickens, are you? And then the most uncomfortable 90 seconds of non-comedy happens. But for some reason, Rob Zombie thinks it's fucking hilarious and he leaves it in the movie. There's no reason for it. It shouldn't be in there. But again, this movie is chock full of fucking awesome grindhouse shit. Like I said, Ken Foray, Michael Berryman, E.G. Daly, Deborah Von Valkenberg, who you may know from a show Too Close for Comfort. She was one of Ted Knight's daughters, but also she's in a movie called The Warriors, where she's like the the orphan slam, the, the, the chick who bangs all the orphans, and she wants to go away with the fucking warriors, and then the warriors throw a fucking firebomb, and they take her into the goddamn fucking trails, and she winds up fucking swan. Good for her. But he puts her in this movie. And then William Forsythe is in this movie, who you know and love and who I've told you many times is fucking fantastic. And he delivers the the ultimate line in this movie. And it's a line I've told you that I apply to my life in podcasting and in comedy, mainly in podcasting, though. Uh, it's a line where he is uh, he's doing terrible things to the devil's rejects. He actually has them tied to a chair. He has used a staple gun to torture all of them by, by stapling their, the pictures of their victims to them. He drives spikes through Bill Mosley's hands and make sure that he's like Christ-like he's pinned to the chair and he looks at, at them and he says, uh, 
we here, we here are playing on a level that most will never see. And, uh, and I, I've often used that line when I've thought of myself and comedy or podcasting or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people doing shit. Hey, look, there's a lot of people using a staple gun to staple murder victims pictures to their murderers. I get that. But those, but William Forsythe, that guy there, that guy's doing it on a level that most will never see. There's a lot of people doing podcasts. There's a lot of people telling you stories about Chinese kids and their fingers and how they hurt themselves shooting out emails to you to go ahead and review your watch band. However, me right here, I'm doing it on a level that most will never see. So, uh, so there's that scene and tiny's there. And then there's fucking, like I said, Ken Frey, Berryman, Valkenberg. Uh, also, there's a couple of bounty hunters in the movie that get it, that get pressed into action. Who is it? Well, it's Danny Trejo and Diamond Dallas Page. See, that's what I'm saying. There's rarely a face you don't recognize in Devil's Rejects, and it's done so tight. The violence. You know what? They run into a family. I'll tell you this. Uh, here's an, a horrifying scene that I'm going to tell you about right now because why not? Uh, Bill Mosley and Sherry Moon Zombie are going to meet Captain Spaulding, alias Sid Haig, at a motel. And while they're waiting for him, they decide, you know what? Why don't we terrorize this family that lives here? Uh, so that this family turns out to be, as again, since we're going back with actors, uh, it's Priscilla Barnes, who was on Three's Company a million years ago, and who still looks amazing, by the way. And then... Uh, Brian Posehn is a member of this family. Our friend Brian Posehn, comedian extraordinaire and podcasting genius, no doubt. I'm sure he has a show, right? If he does, I'm sure. I bet it's great. So, uh, so Sherry Moon Zombly and Zombly, I wish her name was Zombly, and Bill Mosley, they wind up uh, in the room with them. And here's the thing: the, re- the what I love about these movies, Sid Haig is Sid Haig, and he's incredible. He's fantastic. He's great. But this guy, Bill Mosley, is a guy I'm not familiar with. I don't know anything about Bill Mosley till I see House of a Thousand Corpses. And in House of a Thousand Corpses and in Devil's Rejects, Bill Mosley is, uh, he is absolute malevolence. He is, I, I, he, he portrays the character as if he were like a fucking fire and brimstone bombastic preacher who's going to boil your heart in a saucepan. He's just, he's a terrifying presence in this movie. If you're in the movie, like, I mean, look, I'm a grown man. I'm in the theater. I'm not like, boohoo, I'm scared. I'm not scared of him. But I certainly admire the fact that he is a fucking malevolent motherfucker in this movie. He's just sinister. And he speaks these monologues where he just kind of speaks off the top of his head. And it's a little bit of Manson, uh, Charles Manson. It's a little bit of uh, uh, just these these preacher notes, a little Kinnison almost like he just he basically tells you the terrible things he's going to do to you. And then he's going to do them. That's in, in House of a Thousand Corpses. He's a lot more preachery. But in Devil's Rejects. He's just fucking mean. He's just he's just a human wad of chewed up tobacco, spit and dried the fuck out. And he's going to fuck you up any way he can. So when they take over this family, I'm going to tell you this story because I apologize. If you're going to see it, you'll still get the malevolence out of it. But um, just for fun, he does terrible things to people, including he makes Priscilla Barnes stand up. And uh, and basically, I, I'm just going to tell you this. He in front of her husband. And, and I recognize this. I know that uh, my past informs me in how I reacted to this scene. Uh, but he makes her strip down to her panties and bra. And then he hugs her from behind and he's looking at her and he's all right, give me some sugar. And he makes her kiss him and stuff in front of her own husband. While her husband watches, he makes him watch. And then he takes his gun and he pulls her bra off. And then he takes the gun and he jams it in her panties. 
And it is an unbelievably uncomfortable scene. It is rough to watch. It is brutal. But also for those kinds of movies, for grindhouse movies, for 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 just showing pure evil and getting you to go, fuck, um, it's a very effective scene. I mean, it's very effective. Uh, there's a scene where a guy gets shot in the head. Bill Mosley shoots somebody in the head and another character throws up. And he throws up on his wife because his wife is sitting next to him. It's a different scene. So then later on, when he's with that guy, he looks at him and he goes, so uh, you thrown up on your wife. Is that like a thing you do? Like, is that something she likes? Like he's tormenting him because he was such a pussy. He threw up when he saw Bill Mosley shoot a guy in the fucking head. Um, just everything he says is just made to emasculate and, and emotionally and mentally cripple all of these people so he can own them and do terrible things to them. It's brutal, man, but highly effective. So, uh, in devil's rejects, there's a a great soundtrack. Like I said, all of these great actors, they do all this stuff. Now look, there's a tin ear for dialogue. Certainly a lot of the time, but Forsyth is just chewing scenery. So is Bill Mosley as Otis. And so is Sid Haig. You know who else is in this movie? PJ souls. You said to yourself, you know what? Are there any other initialed women from the eighties in this movie? Well, of course, EG daily is joined by PJ souls who you might remember from. Yes. The original Halloween because, uh, uh, she's dating Bob and then we get to see her tits. And then, uh, and then Bob, uh, the, the shape shows up in a fucking sheet and she goes, Oh, did someone get your ghost Bob? Ha ha. And then, uh, I think if I remember correctly, Michael Myers stabs her in the stomach and lifts her in the air with a knife because why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take the time? Um, PJ souls is also in stripes. You may remember her as the woman who gets the Aunt Jemima treatment from our friend, Bill Murray, by the way, this week's episode is sponsored by IMDb. Go to IMDb and see all of the actors and all of the roles they've ever played. And you won't have to listen to me tell you about it in the future ever again. Uh, so in The Devil's Rejects, it's it's all of this stuff. It's a perfect grindhouse movie, for especially made in 2005. It's even got a grainy way to film it. Uh, it uses Freebird in an unbelievable way. It's just got fucking great music. The soundtrack is tight and there's vicious violence and and real sinister evil. And I love it. So that's in 2005. And then Rob Zombie uh, then decides to take 14 years off. And that's not true. He actually made like three different movies, but they went nowhere. Like they went, I don't even know if they got released. I think there's one that was on like pay-per-view for a while and more monster movies and more whatever the fuck Rob Zombie does. Good for him. That's fine. Oh, by the way, Sherry Moon Zombie is absolutely Rob Zombie's wife. In case you were wondering the weird coincidence of Rob Zombie casting a woman named Zombie in his film. I got news for you. She's she is clearly his wife and had an in on the role. So uh, so I love Devil's Rejects. And then Rob Zombie says, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a, a fucking sequel to Devil's Rejects. And I had heard about it forever. It was always bandied about and talked about, but never done. And then out of the blue, like two months ago, uh, a trailer pops up. And they're like, hey, man, three from hell. Devil's Rejects sequel coming soon. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm excited. Because I love Devil's Rejects. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the fucking sequel. So, uh, and then they show the clip and there's Sid Haig and there's Bill Mosley and there's Sherry Moon Zombie. And I'm like, holy shit, they're putting the sinister band back together. I'm fucking in, baby. So uh, they're going to make three from hell. And I'm excited. The trailer comes out and the trailer looks fucking creepy. And I'm like, cool, man. I'm definitely watching this. I can't wait. So I start following them on Twitter. I already follow Bill Mosley on Twitter. And, uh, and that's weird because I know him as a monster who raped a woman with a gun 
and he's a Cubs fan. Like it's the weirdest fucking disconnect of all time. He's like, ha ha, giving me some sugar and your husband's going to watch this gun barrel. And then he's like, ah, dumb Joe Madden. You can't handle a bullpen. And I'm like, holy shit. I hope he doesn't meet Joe Madden's wife because I got news for you. I know exactly what's going to fucking happen. Um, but I can separate Otis from Bill. Certainly if I met Bill, I wouldn't be like Otis. Uh, but anyway, they make the three from hell sequel. And then it turns out they're like, Oh, it turns out it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to get a theatrical release. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a special event. So September 16th, 17th and 18th, we're going to put out three different showings of the, the, the three from hell. And including on Monday, if you go see three for hell, three from hell in the theater on Monday, you get a special video note from Rob Zombie. If you go see three from hell in the theater on Tuesday, you get a special limited edition three from hell poster. Now I'm not 13 years old. I'm not interested in a poster. I really don't care about a video message from Rob Zombie unless he's apologizing to me for his Halloween movies. So, uh, the third night they say, and the third night it's a double feature. The devil's rejects followed by its sequel three from hell. Now you're fucking talking. That's exactly what I want. I want to watch them back to back, especially because it's been 14 motherfucking years since the other one came out. I remember it very vividly. I've seen it and I love it. But at the same time to watch them back to back, just the idea. Here's the thing. I love the idea of the double feature. Just like I love the idea of the extra inning baseball game. I love the idea of any compound entertainment, anything that's in multiples of what it's supposed to be. If you can tell me I can watch three movies, I will. I don't want to watch one movie. It's like when everybody's like, oh man, just show me the movie. Don't show me any fucking trailers. The fuck is wrong with you? You want to, you, so let, let me get this right. You went to the movies to get out of the theater as quickly as you possibly can. Is that what I'm to understand? You don't want to be here for when they show you coming attractions for other things that you could possibly visit the same theater and enjoy. Well, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to watch seven bite-sized films before this full-length film? I couldn't possibly. Are you the same motherfucker who doesn't eat bread out of the basket at the goddamn restaurant? If they bring you a bread basket, you go, no, man, just bring me my dinner. I couldn't possibly imbibe in this free bread. That's all the trailers are. They're the free bread. That's the chips and fucking salsa of your movie experience. And you're turning it down, you fucks. What's wrong with you, man? Now, look. I go to a good theater that just shows the trailers. I don't have Maria Menounos telling me about skincare and talking about let's interview the rock's brother. I mean, I get that. That's fucked. Nobody wants to go to a movie and see that shit happening where someone's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Let's talk to the rock's DP about what it's like to photograph these tattoos in the dark. Oh, man, I don't fucking care. That's fine. That if you're mad at that, I get it. Nobody needs a trivia quiz for they're like, hey, the show Friends featured these characters. Holy shit, I can't remember their names. (laughs) Chandler, Joey, Rachel, and Fonzie. And you've got to like pick the fucking quiz. You know, I I get that. Nobody wants to take that quiz. Nobody wants to do any of that bullshit. But at the same time, trailers are in. I totally want to see fucking trailers, man. That's perfect. That's when when I'm supposed to see them. Because here's the thing. You're all fucking spoiled. All you motherfuckers watch trailers on YouTube now. Now, look, I've done it too. But it used to be in my day. Why in my day before my back hurt, I used to be able to go to the fucking theater and see trailers for the first fucking time. As I've mentioned before, I saw Pumpkinhead like eight times so I could see Batman trailer 16 times. It's how I handle my business. I love to see Batman alive and moving on the big screen. And I love to see trailers on the big fucking screen. But instead, I got to watch this postage stamp on my phone and be like, yay, the Mandalorian, whatever the fuck. Which, by the way, that's a stupid name for fucking Star Wars. The Mandalorian, didn't he? That's the dude. The, that's the albino twins, right? Didn't the albino twins work for him in the Matrix Reloaded? The Mandalorian? I think, or is that the... 
you know, I, I, I'm ashamed I know this. The Merovingian. Never mind. I take it back. The Mandalorian. The man, you know what? Here's what you need to make. You need to make the Mandalorian meets the Merovingian. How about we do that? And then you have whoever the fucking Mandalorian. Boba Fett can fight those two albino twins. And then they'll have a big fucking Star Wars fucking slash Matrix rave. Did I see they're making a Matrix sequel? What the fuck is that? What's wrong with everybody? Just fucking stop. Fuck retro anything. Fuck your tattoos. Fuck all you junkies and fuck your short memories. All right. Uh... So Devil's Rejects is going to play in a double feature. And I ask around, man. I try to find some people who will go with me. And guess what the answer is? No. Now, look, clearly they don't like Grindhouse movies and they don't like me. So that's a bad combination for anybody on a Wednesday night. Um, I tried to get Pat to go. He said no. I didn't ask Chip because I knew that was never fucking happening. Siegel, I think, was out of town. Uh, I asked a couple other people and they, they politely begged off. So look what, you know what? It's just me. It's me having a date with myself. And I've been sick, so that's, I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm crossing the Rubicon by trying to go ahead and book myself for a double feature, but I'm willing to take the chance because I feel pretty good about myself. And also, I've seen Devil's Rejects. If, if anything happens, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll run to the fucking head and I'll be fine. So, uh, so I go to the theater. I watched it at a local theater near my house, the Cinemark, because it was only playing, it was playing at uh, four theaters. It was playing at Universal City Walk which I thought to myself, I go, I could go there and get a voodoo donut. But I went, nah, just go to the movie. And then it was playing in Burbank at a place by Flappers Comedy Club. And I thought maybe I could go in and see this movie. And in between those movies, I could do a quick set at Flappers because you know that they're pining for me to get back on stage. And I went, nah, go to the other one because the other one's closer to my house. So I go to uh, the Cinemark. And I like the Cinemark because I'll tell you this, I just discovered the Cinemark. That's where I went. I went and watched Cold Pursuit at the Cinemark, which was a Liam Neeson movie. I had to watch it for a, a comedy film nerds podcast. And uh, I was down in the basement. There was nobody else in this theater with me until two women walked in and inexplicably sat behind me. But those are all recliners. Like their theaters, even though it's a tiny screen, it's all recliners. So you, if you just, just want to pay like 11 bucks and sit and watch a movie in a recliner, that's fucking cool. That's a good deal. So uh, I go to see this fucking double feature. I walk. It's upstairs. Uh, and I, I should tell you this, I pull into the parking lot and I, I fucking knew, cause I knew this was going to happen anyway, but sure enough, I pull into the parking lot. There's five Hessians out there just smoking. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Oh Jesus, this is cause this is who you can look who, who do you think's going to go see the devil's rejects and the three from hell double feature? Is that going to be a church group going to pull up in a bus? No, it's going to be these fucking, this hair farm. Who's all sharing one cigarette because they're too broke to buy a fucking pack. So I pull up and I see them outside and they're in flannel and black and they're they're just smoking, and I'm like, oh good, I I I didn't realize King Diamond's band was going to be here, but fine, I guess I should have understood that they'd be here to check out this film. Uh, oh oh look, it's Halloween. Their tour must have ended, and now they're here to check out a film. So these guys are smoking, and just and their hair is just growing. I mean, you can see it. Their hair is growing in the parking lot. It is just six cousin it's just fucking hunched over a heater that they're sharing. Oh my Christ. And then I get out of the car and I realize it's not, it's not fucking, of course it's not tobacco. It's weed. Everybody smokes weed now. Um, and for me, I look, don't be an animal. You're going to a fucking movie. Take some edibles, eat edibles in the theater, whatever the fuck. But no, they're all, they're all leaning over this joint. Like me in sixth grade with me and the wardens. It's like, what the fuck, man? What a mess. So they're passing the joint around and I can only imagine it just, it just, you know, it just tastes like Drowning Pool's first album. I mean, it's just so bad as they're sucking the fucking gas into their goddamn lungs. And uh, and far be it from me to judge. You know, I'm, I think I'm wearing a black T-shirt, certainly, and shorts because I wanted to blend in. But I'm wearing shorts like I, I, I didn't even wear jeans. I should have worn jeans just in case a fight breaks out or there's a stabbing of some sort. Uh, it's like I'm going to see Joker. I'm going to see Joker next week. And I... Uh, 
I got to wear clothes and a fucking hoodie and a jacket to that, right? Because it's going to be a fight. Something's going to happen. I got to be ready. I got to be able to take my watch off at a, at a moment's notice and smoke somebody at the Joker show because I keep getting warnings all the time. There's going to be violence, violencia at the Joker's show uh, or the Joker show, I should say. Um, I love that everybody's made that leap that all of a sudden people are going to get fucking violent at Joker. You know, meanwhile, I, you know, how many I'm, I'm going to see Devil's Rejects and survive the fucking experience to tell you about it. Um, I walk in and everybody's wearing Rob Zombie shirts and everybody's wearing fucking House of a Thousand Corpses. I mean, I'm and look, because these are cult movies, man. I totally get it. It's fucking cool. And and so I'm excited to see it. I go in, I walk upstairs, you know, because they, uh, uh, they, they had an escalator, but I take the stairs now because I'm trying to stay healthy. So I walk upstairs and uh, and the and the place is packed. Like there's a lot of people there. And again, it is. I will tell you this. It's a lot of pierced noses. It's a lot of pierced lips. It's a lot of black T-shirts. It's a lot of heavy eye makeup and it's a lot of hot girls like these, these fucking horror trolls, man, they they're drawn in the Gothic pussy, like nobody fucking business. I mean, these chicks are just like fucking, uh, they, 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 they all look like Vampirella. They got their tits hanging out. They look fucking amazing. They're all hot. And I'm, and I'm, and they're there. And also look dudes, they have to really love those guys if they're going with them to a double feature of a Rob Zombie thing. Like you've really found a niche. That's that's I'm proud of those people. I'm I want them to be in love forever. I don't care what kind of kids they raise. All I know is if you're if you're will, if you can pull in a girl that looks like that and and you look like somebody punched a potato, then good for you, man. That's fucking awesome. And then she likes the shit you like. She wants to see guys get beheaded. That's fucking amazing. You've got to feel like a fucking genius at that point. You're floating around in your fucking Doc Martens, man. That's beautiful. So uh, so there's hot girls, and then there's these troll dudes, and then there's fucking metal bands, and all these other guys are there, and everybody's sitting around, and we're waiting for the movie. And uh, and I've, I, of course, because I'm a jerk, I, gotta part, I, gotta, I have to tell everybody where I am on Instagram. I got to be like, I got to get a photo. Yay. So I look around. There's no poster in the theater. There's no fucking poster outside. So I'm like, what the fuck am I going to take a picture of? Because I don't want—I don't want to take a picture of me. Because enough of the fucking selfies already. But I'm trying to think of a picture that I can post. Because whenever I go to a movie, I usually take a poster, a picture of the movie poster, or if I'm in the arc, like, like you know, uh, when I went to see Halloween, like Michael Myers was in the lobby, so I took a picture of him behind me, or Chucky was behind me, whatever the fuck. So I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do, and I, uh, I, I go, well, there's nothing I can do. I mean, I, I don't, and it gets dark, and they start the movie, and Devil's Reject starts, and I'm like, oh, you know what? There's a there's a perfect photo because the when what happens is all the shit hits the fan. There's a shootout and then boom, there's a freeze screen and the words the devil's rejects come on the screen. And I'm like, I'm going to get a photo of that. I'm going to post it. I'm going to tell everyone it's going to be fucking perfect. So I'm sitting in my recliner. I'm waiting and I get my phone out to make sure that I can still photograph the the, the screen. So I'm, I'm kind of fucking with it. And there's a scene where they're driving in and uh, and they drive into the farm, like I said, right in the beginning. And there's a pig's head mounted on a fucking stake or whatever the fuck. So I, I take it and I take a picture of it just to see if I can take a photo of the screen and it'll come out. Okay. And I do this and I'm not getting a fucking out of nowhere. Cause I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at the screen. I'm not paying attention. And I snap it and I just, and, and my phone makes the noise and I go to pull my phone down. And as I pull my phone down, a dude, he steps into my space. Like he's not in front of me and he's not next to me. He's practically straddling me. I mean, he just, he's almost, he fucking just, he's on me in a second. And I look up at him and he's not, you know, he's not a goth dude. He doesn't have a hot chick with him or anything. And he's wearing a fucking name tag and shit. And he goes, you can't film this, sir. And I go, sir, I'm just, I'm taking a picture. And he goes, you can't take photos. I go, I just, I just take a picture of the screen because I'm going to, I'm posting on Instagram. 
And he's, he's looming over me. I'm sitting in a recliner with my feet up. So it's not like I'm in any position to jam. And he's just looking down at me, looking down at me. And I'm not kidding. He, he raises his finger up and he points it at me. And he goes, all right, don't let me catch you doing it again. <laughs> and he turns around and he walks away. So while he's talking to me, the movie continues. And I'm like, well, I don't even, like, I didn't miss the screen. But now I, I can't, look, I, it's a double feature, man. It just fucking started. I can't run the risk of getting tossed out of here by the school marm who runs the fucking Cinemark. I mean, now you, dude, I'm just, and also, what do you mean you can't film this? This movie's been out since 2005. It's not, what, how much money am I going to make bootlegging a fucking recliner filmed copy of The Devil's Rejects, you fuck? Um, but I, so then I had my phone and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, all right, well, there's the pig head. And I look up at the screen and I'm waiting for the, the I'm just going to take a picture of the words, the devil's rejects. And he literally is leaning against the wall. He's just staring right at me. He doesn't leave the theater. He's staring at me. I look over at him and he's just, he's staring right at me. And in my head, I'm just like, you know what? Take the fucking picture. What's this guy going to do? Is he going to throw you out? Literally. What's he going to do? Throw you the fuck out. And then I, because I don't know why, because I'm old folks, I'm not what I used to be. The old gray mare just ain't what she used to be, folks. And so I, in my brain, I go, just use the photo of the pig on a steak. Who cares? Who fucking cares? And because, uh, again, it's just Instagram. It's just bullshit. Nobody and you guys don't give a fuck. Nobody cares where I am in the in the larger picture. Social media means fuck all to everybody. What am I doing this for? Likes or clicks or who fucking cares? So then in my head, but then, but I, you know, I'll tell you this, who fucking cares is right. But I cared enough that I still posted the picture of the pig on a steak. I still fucking went ahead and threw that photo up. I didn't, I could have just went, the fuck are you doing? Nobody wants to see a still frame from a movie, you fuck. But instead I was like, no, nah, man, I took this photo and it's a fucking pig head and I'm putting this up on my Instagram. Nah. And I did like a dummy. I fucking sat there in the dark and I posted to Instagram. I leaned forward so nobody could see the screen because I'm not a monster. I don't use my phone during movies. God damn it. And then I watch The Devil's Rejects and it unfolds, not unlike it did in 2005. And I find myself enjoying it. Uh, but also, you know, scenes are rough, man. When he puts the gun in Priscilla Barnes's panties, that's no fun for anybody. And then uh, a little later on, there's some some serious violence that takes place when uh, Danny Trejo, they just for, for no reason, they kill E.G. Daly. They slash somebody's throat in a kitchen. It's just it's just violence. And then Forsyth is doing violence to people. And then there's like a whatever. I can't I don't want to give it all away. But I'll tell you this, in watching it again from 2005, I can clearly tell you this, those people, they were playing on a level that most will never see. I saw it again right there in front of my naked steaming eyes in that fucking theater. So then The Devil's Rejects ends after two hours of mayhem. And then they give us like two minutes to go use the restroom. We all run out. We run out. We dash in, whatever the fuck. And I sit down. Luckily, nobody was sitting next to me. I was very happy. So I had a double recliner experience. And then they start the movie three from hell. And uh, here's what I'm going to tell you folks. I don't, I don't want to be a spoiler alert guy. It's coming out on Blu-ray this week. You can buy it yourself and check it out. It'll also be available on demand, I believe, if you want to go ahead and watch it. But I'm here to tell you this. Um, never has the phrase on demand been less appropriate than it is in the case of the movie three from hell. Oh my God. I don't know. 
I mean, look, I read about the, they had some problems with filming because they were planning on writing a script and then Rob Zombie said he wrote a script and then Sid Haig was like, yeah, cool. And then Sid Haig goes, Hey, you might want to come see me. And Sid Haig is in a fucking hospital bed, but like tubes running out of him. He's almost dead. So Rob Zombie's like, I got to rewrite the script. I got to rewrite the script. And he, he has all the, it's funny when you give an interview before the movie comes out with all of that in it, you're like, Oh, so you're just setting up your excuses already. And, uh, and sure enough, you need to line your excuses up in a row, man, because three from hell is fucking terrible. It is. It is so fucking bad. I can't, I can't even, it's just there. Look, there's stylized violence, but here's the thing that he does that. And I'll tell you the good things. First of all, um, Sherry moon zombie, cause this is 14 years later. I don't know how old Sherry moon zombie is, but she, she was a beautiful woman when she was younger. But something has happened in her face to where she is now irresistibly beautiful. I don't know how to how to make that sound. And look, uh, she she looks like um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Daryl Hannah had a baby, if that makes any fucking sense. Because her cheekbones are prominent, her face is angled like Jamie Lee. I mean, she just looks. And look, I, I recognize that my tastes have changed. If I've gotten older, I I, uh, I used to be told that I like kind of like uh, manly looking chicks before. And also I find myself now looking for, um, how do I put this? Uh, I, uh, I, I enjoy uh, women my age. How do, does that make any sense? Like even I'm talking like I, I, I like MILF porn. Like, I mean, I like, I like women. All right. I'm not jerking off the fucking 20 year olds. It's, it's just, I, I like women who look like women. I mean, I just, I just do. And so Sherry moon zombie looks astonishing. Like she, cause you know, she was this giggly little fucking ingenue goofy chick when she was playing a psycho as a kid, but there's the way she's introduced this again. I tell you about great way, the great things in this movie, the way they introduce Sherry moon zombie. She is taken out of her jail cell by like 10 guards uh, and she's in shackles. And the song Wild One by Susie Quattro plays. And it's filmed in slow motion in a point where she's this just that she she's everything, everything cool, everything you want to be. If you ever if you ever wanted to see a black leather jacket in the 50s come to life and be sentient, it's this scene. She just gets taken out by the cops and she's obviously the baddest motherfucker in the world. And they're taking to her parole hearing, which I know you're thinking to yourself, Mike, didn't they live in a house filled with body parts and skulls and they raped and killed hundreds of people? They did. But guess what? For some reason, they still get a fucking parole hearing. This movie is so bad on a hundred different levels. Like the whole first 10 minutes is fake newsreel footage of them going to jail and then getting sentenced to whatever the fuck they get sentenced to. And then it turns out because uh, Bill Mosley as Otis and Sherry Moon Zombie as uh, as a baby are so appealing as characters. Uh, they show like newsreel footage and then they show people in the street going free the three, you know, baby is just so hot. You know, she's so it literally, he steals a whole scene from natural born killers. Remember when Mickey and Mallory were in jail and everybody's like Mickey and Mallory, you know, they're like really hot or they're like this or that. He literally steals that whole fucking segment, but he hires worse actors to bring it to life. Like he, it looks like they're all improvising and they're terrible. Cause he's like, I know he wanted man in the street shit, but this is man in the street real man in the street. Like if Rob Zombie walked up with the camera and said, do me a favor, pretend you like stuff. You know what I mean? It's just fucking bad. And then the newsreels, like they speak the way, literally this is because at the end, all right, like I don't want to say, fuck, I'm just going to tell you at the end of devil's rejects, the the devil's rejects, the three of them, baby and, and captain Spaulding and Otis, they get shot hundreds of times. 
They drive into a police blockade and they're and they're firing their guns, but they're just getting hit and the holes are opening all over them and they're just fucking and they crash off the fucking road. It's just they're dead. It's they're fucking dead. Well, it turns out they survived. And the the way the newscaster describes it, he says, uh, with over 20 bullet holes in each one of the devil's rejects, doctors said chances of them living were a million to one. That's a newscaster. A newscaster is actually talking like that. It's just so overwritten and bad and and just stupid. I know he's got to explain why they lived. I get it. And also, they are the heroes of this movie. I should tell you that. You know, Baby's in prison. Otis is in prison. And fucking Sid Haggs and whatever the fuck. But they're the heroes. They're the people we're supposed to be rooting for. Again, if you think back to A House of a Thousand Corpses, they raped hundreds of people. They ate them. They cooked them. They made them into fucking sausage. They they kept their bones and skulls in the fridge and in stew pots. And this is this is who we're rooting for in this fucking movie. I just I couldn't. There was such a disconnect in Devil's Rejects. You're rooting for violence. You're you're just kind of watching it and it's happening. You're not rooting for anybody, but you're just going, oh man, oh this is a really well made grindhouse film about violence and terrible people. But in this movie. They're, they're right out of the fucking Marvel murderer universe. Like they're fucking heroes for some fucking reason. Otis and get this. All right. So again, Otis, they've killed hundreds of people. They've raped hundreds of people. Otis kept skulls in his bed. When they found him, he was sleeping with two dead cheerleaders who he had stabbed to death and then had sex with them after they were dead. Um, Otis is allowed to go out and work on a road gang. And as he's on the road gang, he goes out with like 20 other passengers, 20 other uh, prisoners, one of whom is Danny Trejo, who was the bounty hunter who caught him, who doesn't remember Otis. Otis looks at him and he goes, I remember you. And Danny Trejo goes, I don't know who the fuck you are. And look, I guess you could somehow say that Danny Trejo is, is a very successful bounty hunter who doesn't remember all the scumbags he's caught. But I have to think he would remember capturing the devil's rejects who are these world-renowned mass murderer serial killers. And also, by the way, Otis isn't stealth. Otis has white hair down past his nipples and looks like he's wearing clown makeup at all times because he's an albino. You're going to forget that fucking guy? But he did. And then the video, this is what they said. That this is how Otis escapes. They go, uh, this video footage is the last footage we have of Otis Firefly. The film crew did not survive. And, uh, it's a because it, they're making a documentary about Otis, whatever the fuck. So then the truck pulls up and the prisoners again, there's like 20 prisoners. They get out to dig a ditch or whatever the fuck. And there's guards with guns. OK, so there's guards with guns, shackled prisoners with shovels, all digging like 20 easy. And uh, there's a video of of chop top of Bill Mosley. He looks at Otis. He looks at Danny Trejo. And he says something to him and Danny Trejo, I forget, he says something back. And then Otis goes, oh, you'll remember me or whatever. And then a prison guard walks by and shoves Otis with his gun and goes, get to work. And then the next scene is everybody's dead except Otis. And um, and it's a camera that's lying on the ground, Blair Witch style. And Otis has been freed from captivity by his half brother, the Midnight Wolfman. Now, the Midnight Wolfman is a character who's new. He's only being introduced because Sid Haig is too sick to do the movie. But we're supposed to believe that the Midnight Wolfman, with one gun, killed armed prison guards and 20 prisoners and somehow freezes Otis, 
who is not even supposed to be on a road gang because he's the most vicious mass murderer in the history of the world. But his brother comes and saves him. And then they go on the run and they decide that they have to free baby from prison. So here's what they do. They go to the warden's house and they hold him fucking hostage with his wife. And the and the parole board, the head of the parole board is there with his wife and they shoot him in the stomach. And then Otis makes his wife get completely naked for no reason, just to torture her. And I, I'm like, dude, it's just, it's, it's all the same shit, just repackaged. It's like he had no ideas of what to do. He's got to get them out of jail. That's the main thing. He's got to get them out of jail. So he gets them out of jail by, with the weirdest, I mean, just the stupidest plan. It's just, it makes no fucking sense. And I will tell you this, then they get babe. Of course they get baby out of jail. She shows up the naked woman. We get to see her running in slow motion. This woman, her breasts are bouncing. She's completely full frontal naked. So we see her vagina. We see all of it. She's right. Well, we don't see, we see her pubic mound, whatever the fuck she's running in slow motion. Baby's chasing her with a knife and laughing. And then baby tackles her. And then she stabs her in the chest like 15 times. Now I should tell you how cheaply this movie is made. There's no blood and no squibs. It's CGI blood. Because you see it start to spread in this unnatural way. Like it makes, because again, I know he's thinking to himself, well, if we have to do this shot a second time, I don't want her to be all bloody. You know what I mean? It's like, you can just see all the corners being cut. But I will tell you this too. Baby stabs this woman 15 times. We've also seen baby. She wins a fight in prison and she carves her name baby in a girl's forehead and then writes in blood on the floor, all this shit. And I have to admit, by the time she stabs to death, the 15 or the woman with the 15 things to the chest, um, I'm I'm checked out at that point on violence. Like I don't I don't need the violence anymore. And I know this is me. This is who I've become from 2005. In the 14 year interval, um the world has become a much more cruel place. I'm facing my place in that world where whatever my status is or whatever whatever role I'm playing or whatever I'm going to wind up doing or where you know I'm closer my mortality is creeping up my back hurts and uh and I don't need to see a naked woman tortured while her husband is lying dead on the ground with a bullet in his stomach I just I just don't I don't need to see Otis grab their tits in front of their husbands and make fun of them and and then I don't need baby to stab her 15 times I just didn't and I know that's that's on me Okay. Now look, the shitty dialogue, the bad script, the stupid ideas, all of that's on Rob Zombie. But as far as me not caring for the violence, that's clearly me. It's if I felt the same way I felt when I when I played Grand Theft Auto. And I told you that it was just this wanton cruelty and violence for no fucking reason. Well, in this movie, cuz again, they just exist to kill. They're killing machines. They're murder people. That's all they fucking do. So they wind up at this warden's house. They torture him. Uh, you know, they make him, you know, they're, they, all right, I sh- all right, I'm going to tell you this again. And here's how stupid this fucking movie is. Otis shows up with the midnight wolf, man. They have the four. It's the, it's the warden and his wife and the parole board guy and his wife. And they're sitting around the kitchen table. And Otis is like, Hey, you're going to go get baby out of jail. Or I'm going to fucking cut your wife's head off. You're going to fucking all this shit, whatever. There's a knock on the door. And the, the couples are like, we're not expecting anybody. So Otis goes to the door and he opens it up. Guesses the door. Well, I mean, it's only nine o'clock at night and it's two adults having a dinner party with two other adults. Why wouldn't a fully made up birthday clown show up at the door? And also why wouldn't it be Clint Howard, Ron Howard's brother 
who then goes, hits Mr. Baggy Pants. I'm here for the party. And Otis goes, oh, all right, well, come on in. He closes the door and uh, Otis has a gun. And then Mr. Baggy Pants is like, oh, there's no party. He goes, oh, no, there's a party. He goes, it's right here. And he goes, well, uh, should I leave? And he goes, oh, you're going to be leaving soon. You're going to be right going to fucking clown heaven or whatever the fuck. So he's like, if you make me laugh, you can live. And if you don't, you're fucking dead. So then we have to sit through five minutes of Mr. Baggy Pants the Clown doing tricks with like fucking glitter and a slide whistle and dumb shit. Meanwhile, the two wives are sobbing because these guys have shotguns and are ready to murder them. And then he tells Clint Howard the Clown, he's like, yeah, no, you didn't make me laugh, man. It's over, Clown. And then uh, Clint Howard closes his eyes and pisses himself. And then Otis laughs. And he goes, God damn it, he made me laugh. And then Clint Howard goes, oh, so I get to go? And he goes, oh, yeah. And that's when he says, you're going to go right to Clown Heaven. And he shoots him in the forehead. And then he shoots the parole board guy in the stomach. But the whole reason that the birthday clown is there is so they have a a, a vehicle to drive when they leave. Again, like I said, the tin-eared comedy. They're driving Mr. Baggy Pants van when they leave the warden's house. So we're supposed to think that's funny. Three murderers in a Mr. Baggy Pants van. I don't know if it's a nod to Sid Haig, Captain Spaulding. I don't fucking know, man. It's just garbage. Um... But I thought again, and also because this is who I am and I, I, I know this is ridiculous. I thought of how to fix it. I, I literally, when I was watching it, I go, there is something that makes this actually better. This movie, we're supposed to be rooting for these mass murderers, these terrible fucking monsters, these awful people. Sherry Moon Zombie's character is crazy. She's been crazy in all the other movies, House of a Thousand Corpses, all these movies. Uh, but she's really crazy in this and she murders a couple of prisoners. She murders a guard. And she stabs that woman 15 times and, and she's fucking, she's a lunatic. All right. So there's a scene where the midnight wolf man is talking to, uh, to Otis because baby says, I'm going to go get a soda. And they both know what that means. She's going to go find somebody and kill them. So Otis looks at the fucking midnight wolf man and he goes, man, baby is, uh, baby's kind of different. And, and the midnight wolf man is like, ah, oh, man, she's just happy to be out of the joint. And he goes, nah, man, I know her. I know her a lot better than you do. And she's, fucking out of control and at that moment in my head i thought you know what she's gonna be too crazy for devil's rejects and three from hell and her own brother is going to have to kill her she's gonna get to be so psychotic and so crazy that the person we thought was the most heartless and psychotic and crazy of all of them is going to have to kill her for her own good and i go that that makes sense. That adds stakes and that makes this story interesting. Well, instead, <laughs> uh, the three from hell take Mr. Baggy Pants van and drive to Mexico and they kill everybody in a small town. Uh, and oh, and it wouldn't be a Rob Zombie movie without a, a there's, of course, a heroic midget. Uh, we get to see a lot of uh, vaginas and a lot of spread leg women and we get to see tits all over the place. And a lot of slow motion violence. And it was funny. I will tell you this. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I fucking loved it. And you know that. And that movie uses music in an interesting way. Tarantino always uses music in an interesting way. And in Devil's Rejects, Rob, Rob Zombie used music in a very interesting way. But in this movie, he uses the Susie Quattro one. And I'm like, that's fucking amazing. It's such a great way to introduce this character. And then there's a song by the James gang that plays when they're in a car. And I'm like, all right, that's badass. But then there's two more songs by the James gang that play. And then later on, of course, when all the shit's about to hit the fan, uh, baby puts on in a Vida. And it plays while a bunch of murders happen and stuff. And it reminded me of in once upon a time in Hollywood, where you keep me hanging on plays during the violence at the end. It seems very simpatico 
where someone's like, all right, we got to put this music on and then a bunch of terrible shit's going to happen. But the difference is, uh, you know, in once upon a time in Hollywood, it makes sense. And it, it's the culmination of a story. This is just more violence on violence on violence. It's, it just makes no fucking sense. And then of course they wind up killing everybody. They set a guy on fire when he's alive and then they walk away and then that's the end of the movie. They don't die. Nothing happens. You know, it's just, it's just, it's so fucking bad, dudes. It's so bad. And I, and I wanted to like it. I did. I guess so again, I love the other one, but this one is just a fucking tragedy. It's, it's so fucking, and it's too long. And, and then at the end, so then I go look and I look at the music. Oh, and also I should tell you this when it ends, that ends with the credits playing and there's this scene, these cameras shot from like a dolly, like on a helicopter almost, like of a twist, twisting, winding road and mountains. Um, this is all just stock footage from The Devil's Rejects because that movie ends with the credits where the the, mountain, the mountains and the twisting, it's, it's literally, he's so fucking cheap. He had so little money to complete this. He's using stock footage from The Devil's Rejects that he had left over. And then when I look at the songs, it's the three James gang song. It's Susie Quattro. It's that. And in my head, I go, you know what? There's no doubt. Cause and all the James gang song are from one album. So I'm guaranteeing you for devil's rejects. He cleared those songs. He cleared Quattro. He cleared in a God Vita, and he just kept renewing it every year. And then he was able to use those five songs in this fucking movie. It's just corners being cut. No original thought whatsoever. And, and look, the performance is again, Bill Mosley is Bill Mosley, but he also tones him way the fuck down because Sheree Moon Zombie is the star of this goddamn movie before she was just a crazy person and let Bill Mosley be all the, do all the stuff. But this movie, she takes over as the complete maniac. And then the Midnight Wolfman guy, I mean, he's, he's fine. But I mean, again, their brother out of nowhere, I don't know what the fuck. It's just, it's a mess, dude. And this is me telling you about a lot of fucking movie. I get it. I understand. I, I just, I'm just trying to distract myself from my fantasy baseball fucking failure. Uh, I saw Rambo. I won't, I won't go into that. We've already told you too much about a movie now already. Uh, I'm in Justin's hotel room. He wants to go to bed. He just wants me to get the fuck out of here. I get that. I understand. Are we good here, Justin? Can we do more? (laughs) All right. You sure? I mean, the fact that you're laying naked on the bed is not inspiring any confidence in me that I should continue talking on this show. I, I think maybe I should let you, uh, leave you to your own devices. All right. Uh, you know, I met, I uh, I saw another movie, um, in addition to Rambo. I don't did I mention Rambo? I think I did. Uh, I, I I forget what I did five seconds ago, folks. Anyway, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was actually the day I I did the show with Ahmad and Jeremy. Uh, I was I went on Twitter and a person I follow on Twitter, like a a, a comedian, uh, she wrote, "Hey, I'm doing an experiment. If anybody out there." Uh, wants to go see this with me, I'll buy tickets and then, and then you can get beers or whatever. And it was some film festival in Westwood. And, uh, and I saw that and look folks, as you know, I'm trying to do more things. I'm trying to live more life. Case in point, I'm in a fucking hotel room right now, staring at a, a contraband Snickers bar doing a podcast for you. I probably could have done in my own fucking house. But it said Justin and I went out, we had paella and then we had and we, paella and conversation. That's what I have done. I've come out of my house for paella and conversation. Um, so I, I, this person wrote, Hey, if anybody wants to do this. So I, I was with Jeremy and I was with the mod and I go, fuck this. I'm doing this. So I wrote her, she said, you could DM me. So I wrote her a note and I just said, Hey, look, uh, I don't know 
If this is creepy or weird, we've never met, but I'll go ahead and throw my hat in the ring. If you want to have personal interaction, I'm here. And she wrote me like um, two minutes later. She's, uh, she's like, great, you're in. Uh, we'll do this. It'll be totally fun. And uh, she goes, we'll see if anybody else like, you know, jumps on board. I said, great. So, uh, you know, I was talking to the guys and then I got another note from her and she's just like, Hey, I don't know if anybody else will come on board. She goes, but if they don't, we will go out and we'll either have a, a fabulous time or just a really awkward, bad date. Now dealing with women on the internet, dealing with anybody on the internet is a crapshoot. You don't want to say things that are wrong. You don't want to insinuate anything. And again, this is a person I've never met. So I wasn't going to make it like, I, again, it was just, it was out of the blue. She was like, Hey, this is an experiment. I said, yes. But then she said it could be an awkward, bad date. So she made it, she said the word date and in my head, I'm like, well, this isn't really a date, but, but still, and I go, I don't know. So then I wrote her and I said, I will do everything I can to err on the side of making it fabulous. And she, she sent me some emojis and everything was fine. So I told Jeremy and Ahmad, I'm like, that was, that just happened that quick. Like she said, yes. And all this. And they're like, all right, well, you got to tell us how this turns out. I go, well, if it turns out, because again, eventually a woman who puts out a blind invitation on the internet is going to go, I got no interest in talking to these guys. What the fuck is going on? And I pictured again, cause the way I look at it, I, I, I just, you know, I, it's as many cock photos as I have in my photos, they're all mine. I can't imagine the poor women and their DMS every time they're just like, Hey, well, good morning world. What's going on out there? Cock, 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 cock assault. I mean, just Jesus Christ. They've got to get buried in cock every fucking day. DMS, private messages, fucking emails, whatever the fuck. Everybody's like, Hey, what do you think of this? Well, get the fuck out of here is what I think of this. Um, but she seemed very nice. And again, I'm following her on Twitter for a reason. She's very funny. So, uh, so she, she reaches out. We do that. I say, yes. So time goes by. Now I do some research on this, this person. I, I Google her and I read, she's done some interviews online and I look at, she's done some production work and I see that stuff and I check out her pages and uh, I learn more about her and I learn about uh, things that she's done and trips that she's taken. So I'm, you know, she seems like a real person at that point. So some time goes by and, uh, and, uh, she writes me, she's like, Hey bro, trying to figure out what's going on, but it looks like we got two more people coming on this extravaganza. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, who is this? Is, I said, is this real people or internet people? And she goes, well, one is a real person, sort of. I've interacted with at a comedy show before and another is an internet person. But you know what, buddy? We'll make the most of it. And, uh, and I can't help but notice in all of our, tra- in all of our communications, uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting bro, I'm getting buddy, and I, I, again, I'm an old man. All right. But what I recognize that is, cause I'll tell you what, there was another time that this happened. There's, there's another woman just, and I know this is, this sounds creepy as fuck. I'm really not asking out women on the internet. I swear to God, but there was a woman on Twitter and she made a comment once that she was like, and she, I follow her. She follows me. So we both think we're funny. And she was like, you know, she goes, I have to confess, I have lived in Los Angeles for how, whatever X amount of years. She goes, I've never been to Dodger Stadium, but I really should go at some point. So I wrote her a DM and I said, look, uh, you're from the East Coast. I'm a Phillies fan. The Phillies are here in May. We're going to Dodger Stadium to see the Phillies. I promise I won't be a jackass and root too hard. And also, I know this person and I know this person. So you know them and they can vouch for the fact that I'm not a psychopath. And she wrote me and she was very nice. And she said, Oh my God. And I'm, I'm, this is the way I read it. Okay. Seriously. 
oh my gosh, you're so nice, but oh no, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be visiting my parents that weekend, but oh geez, thank you so much for thinking of me. Oh, you're so, oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you. To the point where I'm reading it in my brain, I'm like, clearly she's letting me down easy. All right. Which is fine. And I totally get that. And then look, this is going to say a lot about me and my brain. Let's get to that right now. I, I recognize that too. But it felt like she was being overly nice to me in her response because on the internet, unfortunately, the way I envision it is women have to do everything they can to be nice to whatever man comes into their orbit because I've seen the exchanges where guys will be like, you're so beautiful. I'd really like to take you out sometime. And the woman's like, oh man, you're nice to say that, but thank you. I'm actually spoken for. And then the guy will write whore. So unfortunately, women, in my mind, are are gun shy and have been put through the fucking ringer by guy they've, guys they've never met, Tinder, all of these fucking things. Because I see the exchanges. Women will put up the screenshots. And so I felt embarrassed that she felt the need to let me down so easily as if I was going to turn on a dime against her in some way. Now, look, that speaks again about how crazy I am <laughs> that I'm thinking... Unfortunately, she's sad because she has to let me down so easy. And so I don't fucking I'm not a danger to her and her future generations. I mean, I don't fucking know. So then I wrote her and I wrote I wrote another note just real quick. And again, by the way, I know you're thinking, Mike, she let you down easy and she was nice about it. And you thought that was creepy. And you wrote her again. I know it was dumb. I shouldn't have done it. But all I did, but I I felt like she should know that I was I wasn't a creep. You know what I mean? It just felt like I was getting a creep's brush off, even though I have mutual friends with her, whatever the fuck. And so I wrote her then and said, um, you really should get to the stadium this year. It's the, it's, it's probably the, the second most beautiful stadium in the league, although I haven't been to Pittsburgh and it's really much more electric when the team is great because the team is great. Now, I recognize, look, I'm actually trying to keep a conversation going that should have ended. There's no doubt. So clearly I am now, you know who I am? I am exactly the guy she thought I was. She thought she let me down easy. And I fire off another paragraph, no matter how well written, no matter how nice, no matter how much we have, how many, we could have a million mutual friends, but I did not take no for an answer the first time. And I read, I read when I hit send, I went, what are you doing? You're keeping this alive. And then she wrote me again. Very nice. She's like, oh my gosh, you're right. Oh geez. I really do have to get there. I heard it's amazing and so beautiful and I can't wait. And I felt like, I felt like fucking dog meat. Cause I made her write me a second time. I I made her let me down easy a second time. And she probably just wanted to go, Hey, fuck you, dude. If I want to go to Dodger stadium, I'll go. But unfortunately it's such a fucking minefield for women on the internet that they can't. I, I, and again, maybe it's some sort of weird privilege talking, I feel that it must be so terrible to be a woman on the internet that they, they, they cloak themselves in this, this thick blanket of niceness just to avoid the hassle of having to deal with somebody being fucking mean to them. Cause that's gotta be just psychically debilitating to have guys call you a whore or show you their dick or whatever the fuck. It's just, it's just, it's like guys on the bus or whatever the fuck are like, Hey, you should smile. You're prettier. If you smile, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to drive a railroad spike through your fucking cock. Get the fuck away from me. I'm just literally who, who wants to talk to men that much. And yet here I am sending a follow-up dummy. So with this woman I'm talking to, she's like, Hey bro. Hey buddy. Hey pal. And in my head, those are just these trigger words where I'm like, she's like, 
There is no interest here. There will never be interest here. And that's, and, but that's fine. I feel bad that she has to kind of signal that to me. And also, am I reading into this? Perhaps I am. But I also now I want to send her a note that goes, hey, I'm not planning to finger blast you after the goddamn film festival. OK, you don't have to constantly with the buddy and the boy. Hey, boy. What's up, boyo? Hey, pal. Am I dating Ralph Cramden? What the fuck? So, uh, but I'm, I, I'm whatever. But I'm, so then we have a conversation. We chat a little bit on, on, on Twitter and I talk back and forth and uh, and I'm look, I'm, I think I'm sort of funny and maybe charming. I don't know. And then she is as well. And we're, and we're going back and forth. We're making the plans. And, uh, and, but again, it's always with the, Hey dude, whatever dude, dude, bro. And I'm like, Oh man. And I, like I said, I want to make that leap where I go, you don't have to do this. You really don't. I get it. I understand what you're doing, but you don't have to do that. And also I should tell you this. So she tells me then she's like, Hey, look, we got two other people going. And, uh, and then the day before, she goes, hey, man, somebody bailed. So we have an extra ticket. We got to figure out how to fill this. And I go, well, I'll retweet it to people. I don't care. That's cool. And um, I said, and she's like, yeah, otherwise it's just me and you and this other guy. And uh, and she gives me his name and I look at his Twitter accounts and I'm looking at her Twitter account and his Twitter account. And like I said, she's very funny and he's on Twitter and uh, and I'm looking at their stuff. And also they're both like 26. So literally add the two of them and you've got me. And I'm like, this is, so now I'm starting to regret That's the day before in my head. I'm just like, Oh man, this is going to be fucking, this is going to be weird. Right? Like I didn't think it was going to be weird, but, and also, you know why? Cause if it was one-on-one with her, like I can, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a decent one-on-one guy, but all of a sudden you bring in like another, cause also we're all comedians. She's a comedian and she's bringing in a third comedian. And then there's a fourth guy. I don't know what the fuck he does. And, and in my brain, I'm just like, Oh man, is this going to be an on fest? Like, is everyone going to be zinging and back and forth and ha ha and wacky? And I mean, because I, I just I was hoping to go have a nice conversation and talk to, and, you know, I mean, and I know that's weird. And that was my weird expectation. I guess I shouldn't. I didn't know what the fuck it was going to be, but it was a film festival. And I should tell you this. It's a it's a film festival of 1930s propaganda films against marijuana. So, you know, like Reefer Madness. So it's stuff like that, like drugs march on like that kind of dumb shit. So it's just going to be that kind of night. So she even says to me, she goes, Hey man, she goes, I might MST three K the shit out of this movie. I'm going to be bothering you all the whole time with jokes. And I said, please do. I hope so. Just be funny. I, I don't, I'm, I just look forward to nodding all night long. That's totally fine. Um, cause again, if she's funny and she wants to be funny, she can be funny. That's totally cool. But then she invites the other guy and I'm like, Oh man, is he going to be funny? Is he going to be trying to be funnier than her? And what the fuck? I don't. And you know me. Because the closer it gets to me going to something, I start to talk myself out of it. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't do this. I should have gone this route. I should have thought of something. I, I mean, I, 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 try, I start finding any reason to back out. And this is the thing I'm trying to stop. Remember, this is the year of I will. It's not the year of I should or I did or I could or I must. It's, it's the year of I will. And I, I want to do things. So I want to. So I accepted her thing. I said, let's go. It's why I went to this double feature. I didn't need to see a double feature. I could have seen three from hell somewhere the fuck else. But I, I wanted to go. It's experience. It's get out of the fucking apartment. I'm used to hiding from everything, man. I just want to go. So, uh, so she, she writes me, I'll tell you that she wrote this. She said that this other guy bailed and she's like, so it's just me, you and this other guy, unless we get somebody else. And I was like, uh, well, I go, this is your fault. I go, this could have just been me and you awkwardly staring at one another while we ate and then silently watching a film, but you had to involve everybody else and the rest of the fucking internet. 
And uh, she goes, oh, I know. She goes, and my friend who bailed is a girl, and she already told me that I'm clearly getting Eiffel Towered after this. And so now in my head I go, all right, because, again, I didn't want to put the thing earlier with the fucking, uh, uh, you know, where I, I didn't want to call it a date, but she did. And I'm like, I don't want to skeeve her out, whatever the fuck. We're just getting together for a movie. But then she makes the Eiffel Tower thing. But also she's a comedian. Comedians make jokes. But I have to admit, I didn't expect to see the words Eiffel Tower in print. And I'm like, holy fuck. So then she writes me back later and she's like, hey, I think I got a guy to take the last ticket. And I just wrote back Eiffel Tower's getting crowded. And she's like, I'm sure you guys will figure it out. Uh, so it turns out she's got this, it's now it's another guy coming. So, so this dude's coming. So, uh, so Friday comes, we go to the, 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 I'm ready to go to the movie festival and I'm, I'm spending all of Thursday talking myself out of it. I'm spending Friday morning talking myself out of it. I'm like, well, if there's, she's already got two other dudes and she's not going to miss you if you don't go. And then in my brain, I'm like, just fucking go, dude. Just, just fucking go, just go. So I go, it's in Westwood. Like I said, so I go, I park and, uh, oh, and I should tell you the night before she's like, I don't even know what you look like. So I sent her a picture of me and I said, I look like, you know what I, as you know what, fuck it. Look at your iPod or whatever the fuck your iPod vagina or your dashboard. That's what I sent her. I'll use that picture this week. And I said, I look like this. I'll see you tomorrow night at seven. And she's like, hello, Mike. And I said, hello. And I said her name. And, uh, so then I show up in Westwood and I walk into this theater and, uh, I look around and it's, it's the Billy Wilder theater, which is like where they have screenings and stuff. And, uh, I'm, I'm only there maybe two minutes and I glance over and I see a woman and she comes walking over to me and she's like, Mike. And I said her name and, you know, and she, uh, oh, I should tell you this before I even get into this. Uh, remember, I told you she said the Eiffel Tower thing. So then she tweeted, hey, we need to get a fourth person to get this ticket. And so then I said, I'll retweet it. And when I retweeted it, I filled it out and I said, hey, we've got a new ticket. This is happening tomorrow night. Let's turn this awkward threesome into an unbearable four way. And in my head, I went, don't send that, you fucking weird creep, because that's weird and sex and stop. What are you doing, man? You don't even know this woman. So I changed it to let's turn this awkward triangle into an equally unbearable quadrangle because oftentimes when you're conversing with people, a normal word you would use is quadrangle. What a fucking weirdo. But I, I thought about it at first and I'm like, all right, how do I say this word? It doesn't sound like fucking sex. So I said, you know what? I went triangle quadrangle. And then she replied to my tweet in on, on Twitter, not privately. She replied sexually, obviously. And I'm like, all right, I got an Eiffel Tower joke. I got sexually. I got, I got all this stuff. And then in my head, I'm like, is this a thing? Like, am I, am I misreading this? And I'm like, wait, she's a comic. Comics can be funny. Cause that's the thing. You can't make the presumption. Also, there's no hints. Nothing's happening. And also I'm still getting bro and dude and pal and buddy and all that kind of shit. So I'm like, don't make a presumption here. Just go and have fun with the comedian. That's what you're doing. You're hanging out and seeing a movie with a comedian. That's it. So I park in Westwood. I see her after two minutes and she walks up to me and I'm already, I, I literally, I've got, I've got left hand behind back and I'm ready to stick my right hand out and go nice to meet you and give her four hand pumps. Like I'm selling her a vacuum in 1950 fucking eight. And, uh, and she walks up to me and she goes, Oh, you're Mike. And she walks up and throws her arms out and hugs me right in front of the theater. Uh, now I will tell you this. I hug her back. It's it's I'm caught so by surprise for her going in for the hug, I don't get to lift her up. As I've said before, lift women up. 
so I don't even get to make that move. I just, but I, I'm just, I'm giving, I give her a hug because also, you know what? Creepy as fuck to lift up woman. You don't know. Stop doing this again. Things are changing folks. I'm 52. My back hurts. Stop. So, uh, so she leans in, gives me a hug. And then uh, she sits down and we start talking. And by the way, she had badass shoes. And so I had to tell her, I go, hey, man, those are really nice shoes because they were fucking they were these. Uh, they were kind of like heel wedges, but they had four buckles that went up her fucking ankle and shin. And I, and they just looked great. And I so I had to tell her. And then in my brain, I'm like, wait a minute. Are you now a weird shoe guy? Stop being creepy foot fetish guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what it's like anymore. I don't know what the real world is like. I don't know. I don't know how to treat people. I, I just it just relax and be yourself. Right. But I but you know what? That's what I would do. I would tell you you had badass shoes on. That's who I am as a fucking guy. Maybe I'm just a creep. I don't fucking know. So we sit down. I tell her she's got badass shoes. She's like, thank you. And then we talk and I learn about her. I learn where she's from. I learn what she does. I learn where she lives. She asks about me. I, she learns about me. And I mentioned, I, I mentioned, I read an interview with her online and I know she did this. And I asked about that. And she asked me about stuff. And then she, she asks me, what do you do? And I tell her, I, you know, well, I'm a comedian. I do a podcast. She goes, you have a podcast. And I start telling her about the show and it's about my life. And I tell her all and she goes, I'm going to have to listen to that. And I said, no, you're not. And she goes, no, really, I will. And I said, nah, I go, you really don't have to. I go, it's me shouting about my life. I go, but I did just start year 12 this week. She goes, oh my God, you've been doing it forever. And I go, yeah, pretty much. And I go, um, I'm lucky that I have a, a group of fans who like what I do. And they've stuck with me for a very long time. She goes, oh my God. She goes, I have to be honest. She goes, I have all my friends have podcasts, comedian friends. And like, she goes, they put it out like once every five weeks. And then the first is like, hello, welcome to uh, Saved by the Bell Noise. It's our recap of Zach and his weeks in high school. And make sure you like and subscribe, please. And don't forget to click like and subscribe. And here's our sponsors. And she goes, and I can't listen. I can't listen to it. I said, yeah, I get that. I understand. I go, well, mine's different than that. Uh, I said, you know, only because I don't have sponsors, but I mean, everything, everything else is exactly the same. Uh, and she laughed and I, we were getting along great. She made me laugh. She was funny. I I enjoyed my time with her. We were having a good conversation. Everything was fine. And then it came time to go into the movie and she's like, I don't know where these other guys are. And she tells me one of them lives by, and he literally lives by my house. And she goes, he's taking the bus. And in my head, cause I mean, dude, I live 15 miles from the theater. So if that dude's taking a bus, I, 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 and she's like, he missed his first bus and now he's getting his second bus. And she's like, he's a young guy. He's like 22. And also finding out about her, I find out, remember I said she was 26. She's a little closer to my age than that. Um, and so, and I, so I'm pleasantly surprised. It's not, I'm not a horrible, creepy old man who's stealing an evening from the young. I'm not, she's not sleeping and I'm not a cat and I'm not inhaling her breath and making sure she doesn't wake up. I mean, we're we're having a pleasant conversation. We're getting along. She's funny. She thinks I'm funny. That's great. So I go, well, you know, the, do we want to wait for this other person? And she goes, no, no, he texted me and he's off. He's working and he'll be here. Let's go inside. So we sit down. Uh, the movies start. She's, she's pleasant. She's funny. She's making me laugh. She's leaning over and making jokes. I'm making jokes. She's laughing to them. I did make one old reference that got nothing. And I felt bad about it. Uh, I will tell you, there was a woman in the movie and, and, and there was a drug guy and he's, or he's like, whatever. He's a drug dude. And he goes to a, to where all the hookers are. And this chick, she's like, you should come into my building sometime and see and shows she's clearly doing Mae West, but she's doing it poorly. So I looked at this girl and I said, I go, well, it was nice that they could get Mae South for this movie. 
because uh, it's a directional joke. And also she's ripping her off. Ha ha. And she was very polite and chuckled. But I don't think because, again, she's very young. I don't know if she knew what I meant or maybe it just wasn't as funny as I thought it was. Anyway, she's making me laugh. I'm making her laugh. We watched the first feature and it turns out there's three full length movies, like hour long fucking movies to watch. And I'm like, holy shit. I, didn't, I even said to her one movie's also like 45 minutes in and we're not even at a resolution. And I go, this is an actual movie. She goes, oh yeah. She goes, the other two are too. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm settling in. I thought they were just those real quick hitters, but they're real fucking movies. And they're dude, they're fucking hysterical. You know, just like people who are like, they smoke weed and they can't stop laughing. And then the next thing you know, they're snorting heroin out of a fireplace. You know what I mean? Just they that thing where drugs are killing everybody and all the women take their bras off. You're like, yeah, woohoo, party. And then some woman drowns in the ocean at a drug party. And they're like, you kids don't tell anybody and you'll be in juvenile reform school. And then this one woman becomes the queen of drugs. And then she steals a baby. And, uh, you know, it's all terrible nonsense but we're having fun. And then in the middle of like the first movie or near the end of the, or the beginning of the second movie, uh, the other dude shows up and he comes in and he's like, hi guys. I shake his hand. He sits down and he, there's a seat open next to me, but he, he walks right by me and walks and he sits on the other side of this, of this woman. And then he proceeds to not stop talking the entire film. Uh, now he's not talking like, Oh, what's going on? How was your day? He's making jokes, baby. He's fucking boom, boom, boom. He's crushing them out of the park. This is, I don't know if you're aware of this. Apparently a movie made in 1937. That's in black and white about drugs with some knockoff bad actors. Apparently that's a bad movie. I learned that while he was talking. Oh, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Bang, bang. Oh, that guy. I'll tell you what. Boom, boom. Nice camera work. Bang, bang. This guy's cooking it, baby. And now that's good news for me because I can just sit down and shut the fuck up. And she is, I should tell you this, she's laughing at everything he says to where I'm like, all right, either she's, she's super polite or I shouldn't take pride in any of the jokes I made during the first movie because she's the easiest laugh in the business. I'm not sure which one is true, but, uh, he's cooking and he's banging them out, baby. And then she's laughing and she's saying things and she's funny. And every once in a while, I, I lean over and I say something. Um, but we are also still in a theater with other people watching a movie in the dark. So I don't feel right just popping off bits left and fucking right. I mean, if she and I are talking, it's different, but the fact that now there's a concerto of three voices making fun. What if there's a person here who genuinely lost their child to drugs and wants to learn? I got no fucking idea what their life is like. So, uh, so I, I, I'm letting it play out. This guy's winging and zinging. He's killing it over there on the other side. And then that movie ends and the lights come up. And I look at her and I go, oh, man, I thought, like, isn't there supposed to be another movie? She goes, well, there were three. I go, yeah, but we saw two movies. She goes, yeah, but they had that short in the beginning, that nine minute short. Maybe that's, does that count as a movie? I go, I don't know, man, maybe. So we get up and the other dude stands up and he's like, I don't, I hope so, because I can't watch another second of that. It's terrible. And and then he makes nine more jokes. So we go out to the lobby and then she goes, well, I don't know. You guys want to go get a drink? Like, what do we want to do here? And he's like, maybe we could do that. I don't know. And, and then all of a sudden, no, they dim the lights and, uh, and an usher comes up. They go, oh, there, there's a third feature. You just, you, we just as an intermission. So everybody could kind of get their bearings. And I'm like, well, of course, why not? We just watched a bunch of people die from weed. We need to get our bearings. So he's like, the, the, the new dude is like, oh, I don't know if I can take this. I don't know if I can take this movie. But he comes in and he sits down and we watch. And about 10 minutes in, maybe 15, he finally, he's had enough. And he looks at her and he goes, I can't, I can't possibly. This is, this is the worst. It's worse than the last one. And he gets up and he's very kind and gracious. And he says, goodbye. And I, and I literally, if I could have, I would have carried him to his car and gently tucked him in it and said, goodbye forever. I was fine with it. Goodbye. 
So he leaves. I'm there with the girl. And we're watching the movie. We're having fun. We're joking. And this movie, this is the one where there's the beach party and giggling and weed. And we just, and it ends and it's great. And, and she's, uh, you know, she's very funny. We, and, and also she's funny and gets comedy. Like she's, we did a running bit from the second movie that we just kept doing all night. This woman is 23 years old and they showed her she's got gray hair. She's, you know, drugs have made her completely old. So we, every time something happened, we go, that person is 23 years old. Like anytime anything would happen. So she's funny. We're trading. We're having fun. And it ends. And, uh, I said, where'd you park? She's like, I'm on the street. Did you want to, you want to get a a drink or something? I said, sure. Do you want to eat anything? Like, what do you want to do? She's like, I don't know. She goes, yeah. And I I Google and I, I go, well, I'll tell you what I go. Why don't I drive? We'll go somewhere. And then afterwards I'll take you to your car. So she, uh, she's like, all right, dude. All right, buddy. (laughs) All right, friend. And I'm like, okay, man, I get it. Uh, but, but we hit it off and I was interesting and funny and we were, we were getting along and everything seemed to be fine. I thought she could drop the buddy dude, bro pretense. It was pretty obvious. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hurt her. Nothing bad's going to happen and I'm not going to make any moves. I get it. I understand who we are. And, uh, and she Googles, we find a BJ's pizza place. So we go and we, uh, we sit down, she has a beer, we order pizza and, uh, and then the, the waitress is real nice. She's like, would you guys want dessert? We, and I said, well, I the world famous Pazuki. And uh, this girl's like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And I go, oh my Christ, it's like a cookie. They bake in a skillet. They pour ice cream all over it. It's ridiculous. She's like, oh my God. So they bring the thing and uh, Pazuki's are nine bucks. So I'm kind of like, well, we can split one, I guess, because I can't eat a whole one, certainly. And then the waitress comes over and she was crafty and she was really smart. We had, we had gotten a pizza and then she says, hey, she goes, Pazuki's are on sale for three bucks each. She goes, so you guys could each mix and match one. And, uh, and I was like, I, I can't eat a whole one. I don't. And, and she was like, I can't either, but three bucks. How do you pass that? If they're normally nine, let's get two for six. And I'm like, all right. So I got a monkey bread pizookie and she got a, a salted caramel chocolate chip pizookie. And those came and we ate three bites of those motherfuckers. You know what I mean? And then, and then she got laden down with fucking leftovers. I gave her the rest of the pizza. I gave her the pizookie or whatever the fuck and all that stuff. And, um, and then the bill came and I, I took care of the bill and she's like, Oh my gosh, no, I, I, I go, no, you paid for the tickets. I paid, I paid for dinner or drinks. That was the deal. And she's like, no, no buddy. No, you don't have to do that. I'm like, no, it's okay. I can do this. And she's like, Oh, that's so nice of you, pal, friend, compadre, whatever the fuck. And she goes, but your ticket was only 10 bucks. And I go, I don't, who cares? And she goes, come on. And I go, stop really third time. Stop. So I pay for it and I take her in the car. I take her to drop her off at her, at her car and I go, this was really fun. And she goes, it really was. This was nice, pal. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I said, uh, I said, I don't know how this works, but I'd hang out again if you wanted to do something again, if you wanted to have another experiment like this. And she goes, absolutely. Oh my gosh, that would be so great, buddy. And I said, okay. And then she went in and she gave me a hug when she left and she got in her car and she drove off. And that was, uh, Friday night. I think it was, I think it was Friday night. So, so then I didn't, you know, obviously I don't know. Again, I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to beat anybody's kitchen, but then Saturday goes, I don't, I don't contact her, but then Sunday, uh, oh, and I should tell you this. When we sat, we ate pizza and we ate pizookies. Uh, I unveiled that I knew things about her. I said, you went on a trip. You did this. I know this. And we talked about, we had something in common. We had both been to the middle East it was, it was a fantastic conversation and we, we got along great. She was funny. She made me laugh. I think I made her laugh, whatever we hit it off. It seemed like it was cool. And I guess it was, like I said, she hugged me and she got in her car and she bailed. And again, nothing, 
that was nothing love, nothing that bullshit. It wasn't a date, but it was fun to hang out with somebody. It was really, I was so happy I went. I was so happy I went. Uh, just to have, like she said, human contact, you know, it was just on, you're staring at screens, you're, you're dealing with people that way. So, uh, sure enough, I leave and then I don't talk to her Saturday and then Sunday afternoon I go, all right. So I wrote her a note and I just said, Hey, I said, I think your experiment was a success and I was happy to be a part of it. Uh, and if you ever wanted to take another chance at proving the thesis that meeting in person is better than meeting on the internet, I would be more than happy to volunteer. And hit send on that convoluted long amount of paragraphs. Uh, and then I don't hear from her Sunday. And I went to the gym and I was telling, I was telling uh, John, I was like, hey, man, I go, I go, I actually went and saw that person I had told you about. And he goes, how did it go? Uh, he goes, did she keep up with the buddy and the boy? I go, oh, yeah. I go all night long. It was, hey, buddy. Hey, pal. How you doing? I go, but I don't know if that's her or if that was her barrier. Like, I couldn't tell. I wasn't sure. But it kept up. I go, it never stopped. And he's like, well, I mean, you know, you know how the internet is. I go, of course it is. It's terrible for women. I understand. They've got to make sure that everything I go, but, but also I'm, I won't lie. I'm a little insulted. You met me in person. You knew who I was. And also I look, I let's, let's get to this part. Let's get to this egotistical part. This had happened a month ago. And when we're sitting down to talk, she didn't know a fucking thing about me. And in my head, I'm like, wouldn't you, I, I mean, how don't you Google me? Don't you? Cause I remember I used to talk about how, if I go on dating apps, my whole life is on the internet. Like literally someone could go to YouTube and listen to everything there is to know about me. She didn't even know I did a podcast. She didn't know I was a comedian. Like she only knows I was a comedian cause I was verified on Twitter. Literally she went out and did this because I was a blue check Mark. She was like, Oh yeah, I knew you couldn't be a maniac if you were a blue check Mark. I'm just like, what the fuck? That, that just seems ridiculous to me, but I thought she was kidding, but maybe she wasn't. But then I have to admit when we sat and we talked and she didn't know that I did a podcast and I didn't have a show and I didn't do, I wasn't, I didn't do comedy and all that. And I was just like, cause in my brain, I'm like, well, that makes sense, I guess. But then part of me is like, you had a month, you had a fucking month to Google me. You don't fucking look at me and see who I am. Even though I look, I, and I didn't pull the, I'm the fucking talent routine, but at the same fucking time, don't you want to know one scintilla of an iota about the person that you might be seeing? I it just, cause again, like I said, I Googled her, I checked out her social media. I read interviews with her and all this stuff. And I, I guess maybe I'm overprepared. Maybe I'm the one who, who is, who is putting these new age. Well, it's the internet age rules on, on what is the oldest thing in the world, human contact and communication. Like I'm looking for rules where there are none. I'm thinking that things are different and maybe they aren't. So I wind up talking to John and he's like, did she keep up the barrier? I go, yeah, I go, but I don't know if it's a barrier. If it's just, I go, cause she's funny. So I think maybe she just talks like that. It's just like a slang thing. Hey buddy. Hey pal, hey, this, whatever he goes. Well, if she does it again, you know, then, then you'll know that's a tick or a habit. I go, I go, yeah, I guess so. I go, but I don't know. I, I wrote her yesterday. I haven't heard from her. He goes, well, I'm, I'm sure it was partial barrier, but also at the same time, maybe that's just who she is. And, uh, I leave the gym. And I go to take a shower and my phone goes off and it's a note from her responding to the note I wrote on uh, sun, on Sunday. And as I said, I wrote, you know what? This was a successful experiment. And if you ever thought about possibly doing something like this to prove your thesis again and getting together in person, I'd be interested in something like that. And that's a lot more words than it is. It's really well-written. It's amazing. I'm a craftsman. But anyway, I sent that to her basically saying, hey, look, this was fun. If you want to do it again, let me know. 
And uh, she wrote me back. I went and I, I get showered. I got ready because I was going to go see Shannon. And I opened the phone. Uh, and, and this was the note I received back. No, thank you. Human contact achieved. Good seeing you, home skillet. Home skillet. I didn't think buddy or or pal or friend could get any worse. And then you drag Juno into this conversation and you hit me upside the head with home skillet. I took a screenshot of it. I sent it to John and I just went, ha ha ha. Because I also said, like, if you want to do this again, let me know. I just wrote, ha ha ha. Uh, apparently, I don't think she's ever going to be seeing home skillet again. And he wrote me back. He's like, oh, no, absolutely not. You're lucky if she doesn't just delete tw- Twitter after this entire exchange. And then he wrote back. She might as well have just said, nice meeting you, dickless. And I'm like, yeah, that would have summed it up probably. You guys can get me at Mike and Mike Schmidt comedy.com. You guys can be my friend at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can get me at Instagram and Snapchat. I'm there. I'm lurking. I'm always on Instagram and Snapchat. Mike four zero Y O B or my new name home skillet. You can find me there on Instagram and Snapchat. Uh, you guys can, that's all those places. I'm on Twitch. I'll tell you about that on the other side. Our friend Ryan Dirks does all of the cool ass, uh, web stuff for this show. You can go ahead and find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. And, uh, our good friend, David Hernandez does all of the music and all of the artwork for this show. As you know, last week he did amazing stuff. You guys were very responsive to that. And I appreciate it. Uh, David, you can find him at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. Go look for him, please. He's there. He's lurking. He's excited. He wants to be your friend and for you to be his friend. He wants you to join his closed group. His closed group is this is dumb. That's dumb. You're dumb. I'm dumb. And that's a place you can go with like-minded people and look at memes and gifs about terrible things from the internet. Uh, kind of making fun of everybody else under the cover of night. Do that with David. He would love it if you did. You can find him there at, uh, well, first of all, you got to be his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. And then you try to join the closed group and he's going to ask you three questions. He answered those. And, uh, and then you're in the group and everything's fine and you're enjoying yourself. And uh, I will tell you this, David does artwork. That's right. If you join the closed group, you'll get to see some of the characters he's created in there. He's done all the artwork for the West Side 86 Jokers, which is our fan club page. And you can check out the uh, the banner and stuff that he always does every week. If you want to join the Westside 86 Jokers page, you can see that. But if you become his friend on Facebook at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez, go into his photos. You'll see folders with all of the artworkers created for this show and artwork he's created for his characters at the This Is Dumb, That's Dumb page. Uh, but I'll tell you this. He does have a website called artbydmh.com. If you go there, you'll see a lot more of the corporate stuff he did when he was working for an advertising agency. He did uh, he did Val, uh, Valscapes and Guy Cons. He's done amazing work, and he can do that work for you. He He's for hire. You've got to hire this man to do cool stuff for you. He can do Facebook caricatures. He can do oil paintings. He can do anything you, you fucking ask. I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous to me how talented this guy is. The most talented guy I've ever known and I'm lucky to have him in my life. And I know he feels the same about me and he'll tell you that if you ask. Uh, But first he'll roll his eyes so hard that he may sprain something, but that's okay. Uh, You can find him again at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. Join his closed group. This is dumb. That's dumb. I'm dumb. You're dumb. You'll have to answer those three questions, but he'll make you do it. And when you look at his artwork and you realize all the cool things that he can do and you want him to do something for you, 
You can check out his website. That's artbydmh.com, A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H dot com. Girl, you'll meet Joe Fowler. <laughs> I fucked it up. It said Joe Fowler. Do a- it's Joel. It's Joel, right? Joel. Right. Girl, you'll meet Joel Fowler soon. <laughs> Joel lives in D.C. He's on the prowl for plenty of pussy, and he's going to take it to the game with the Wizards. The Wizards. He's got season tickets. He keeps writing me letters that are kind of passive-aggressive because he wants to take me out for Thai food. Whoa, Thai food. Thai food. Thai, 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 Thai food. <laughs> you meet Joe Fowler soon. For Thai food. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ in a chicken basket. We are here and we have sponsors. You're damn right we do. Ladies and gentlemen, who are our sponsors, you might ask? Well, you may not ask that because you might know from other weeks, previous weeks, weeks in the past or in the future. Are you from the future? Do you know about the sponsors we have in the future? Is that who you are? Have you come back as a time traveling uh, wraith? I'm going to call you a wraith. You're a time traveling wraith and you've come back with news of the sponsors of the future. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm only talking about the sponsors of the present. Damn it. The sponsors of the, uh, oh, the past and of the present. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about our good friend, Fearful Jesuit, who runs a podcast that you might know about. It's called, I let you finish it, The Paranoid Strain. Absolutely. Now, let's let's just say this right away. If you want to contact our good friend, Fearful Jesuit, uh, at The Paranoid Strain Podcast, go ahead and contact him. Paranoidstrain at gmail.com. Paranoidstrain at gmail.com. Please get a hold of him and tell him what you think of this great show. Tell him you heard about this show from us. Go ahead and download this show, follow this show, subscribe to this show. It's in the it's in the old uh, iTunes store. I call it the old iTunes store because uh, it is old because now they've fucking taken away all the fucking possibilities. I don't know, right? Didn't they stop updating it? Now you got to get your music from from a mule. Isn't there? Isn't that how it works? A mule has to come by your house with a wagon, and that's where all your music is stored now. The cloud is dead. Long live the cloud. Long live the mule. I must say to you, or the mule, if you will, depending on if you're out of this country. Um, I don't know where they would call it a moule, perhaps, perhaps in France. I will say that. Yeah. You know what they call a, you know what they call a, a quarter pound with cheese in France? A moule with cheese. There you go. Buy that. Paranoid Strain is a podcast about uh, conspiracy theories and debunking said. And this month, uh, you know, it's an amazing show. It's about the moon landing. That's right. The moon landing. Hold on a second. The moon landing. Now I got to tell you, there was a, a part in this show when I was listening to it and there was a, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, all right. He played some stuff from NASA. He played some clips of astronauts and the things that they said upon seeing the moon or when they were about to land the moon. And, uh, and I guess when they saw the moon, they talked about the Bible. There was a bunch of stuff. They brought up Jesus and God and all those dudes. And, uh, and in listening to it, I was like, I was a little cynical. I was like, ah, right. Look, I, you know, give me the moon, but don't give me the Jesus. I don't need the Jesus at this point. Um, just the very fact that you're on the moon is more than enough for me. You don't need to bring the Lord into it. Keep the Lord in his place. It's a Sunday for Christ's sake is what I said, even though it probably wasn't a Sunday. But uh, I was thinking about that. And I was I was making a, I was manifesting a joke in my head. I was going to make a joke about how they 
you know, they saw the moon and then they talked about Jesus and, and all of this thing. But uh, I don't know why they were government representatives who were talking about the Lord, whatever the fuck I was at my head, but my brain immediately went to it and said, you know what? Uh, I don't think I need to hear about Jesus while you're doing the moon thing. And I would have told that to you guys. I would have brought it to you guys. However, uh, Dana Unicorn, who is our good friend, Fearful Jesuits co-host, she beats me to it. She does. She says it in the very next breath. I'm listening to it. And then I went that. Now that's, that's a show right there. That's a show where somebody who knows exactly what you're going to say. So someone so prescient, they know what a genius like me is going to say. And uh, I will tell you this. I was kind of shocked that he is, uh, look, and it's not for me to say anything. I, but he said, Hey, straniacs at one point, cause it's the paranoid strain. And apparently you folks are all straniacs cause you listen to the show. I guess that makes me a straniac. I might be the OG straniac actually. Um, but I learned a lot listening to the show. I, uh, I, I did learn that the moon is hollow or at least a lot of people thought it was hollow, which makes no fucking sense to me. I did not know that the moon was ever thought to be hollow. Uh, I learned that Edgar Allan Poe is a moon truther. I'm not going to tell you exactly what that means. Uh, I'm going to tell I'm going to, I learned this, that no matter what terrible things befall you, uh, Whitey's on the moon and it negates everything. You know, you, you might be having rats bite you in the middle of the night, uh, but still, Whitey's on the moon. And also, I learned that newspapers have been destroying this world a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> the tabloid newspapers came along, uh, the sun, and and ruined everything early on. We're talking, I think, mid-19th century is what we're talking about here. And, and then it forced other papers to keep pace with them, and then they all had to list these different things. And uh, it's just a mess. It, what a fucking... So newspapers, look, the media, everybody, we know all this. The media is a, is a terrible thing a lot of the time. And I've, I've come to this uh, realization recently, as uh, everything they do is for ratings... There's now going to be an impeachment from what I understand. And I, I know they can't wait to run that fucking show. Uh, I learned this phrase. I learned the phrase tidally locked. Ooh, tidally locked. That's a phrase that I heard. Um, and I will tell you this. Uh, he, there's a chunk of this show. And I, I look, I don't want to say a lot of, a lot of stuff. I'll get into more stuff next week. I don't, want to, I don't want to shoot my load here after listening to and absorbing the show. Um, but there's a huge chunk where our good friend, uh, Fearful Jesuit, Talks to a friend of his uh, who does not believe we landed on the moon. And this guy goes on and on and he talks about it. And his, his reasons are the same. Why haven't we gone back if we went before? Um, ignoring the fact that we went back six times. Uh, he's wondering why the Russians have never done it. Um, again, improvable things. That's always what people who don't. They always have conspiracy theories and they always say, well, why didn't you do this? Why did you do that? Like always these improvable facts uh, or factoids that they think. And it's just, I understand you talk to this guy, but it's fucking exhausting. And I, 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 I'm good for him. I'm glad he believes these uh, unbelievably stupid things. And I know he's a, he's a friend of Jesuits. And again, this gets to like, uh, like right now on Facebook, my brother posted something about the impeachment, whatever the fuck. And some people jumped in and were like, this sucks. Trump sucks. And other people are like, you're stupid. And they're like, no, you're stupid. And uh, I, I just, I don't understand it. I don't know how you can, like, the people are like, Trump derangement syndrome is real, man. And these guys, and I'm just like, no, he's a dick. I mean, it's okay. He's a fucking dick. I don't know. I don't know what you think is good or bad. And listen, I'm not trying to get into a fight with you guys. If you support him, good for you. Wonderful. I, I've, believe me, I've already alienated enough people with this, this topic. And it's alienated the world. It's boring to talk about at this point. Uh, but I, I, it's just like listening to this dude talk about the the moon landing and he's a friend of Jesuit. So Jesuit's like cool with him, which is fine. 
But this uh, this guy at one point he goes he's like, hey man, I'm not gonna say we didn't go to the fucking moon, all right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna die on that hill. Basically, is what he says. I'm not gonna sit here. It's you know, if you think we went to the moon, that's fine. I don't think we went to the moon. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a big argument about it. And then he actually says, I'm not gonna say we didn't go to the fucking moon unless it's gonna be a fun conversation. And uh, and I know the spirit in which he said that sentence. He meant. If we're having a spirited debate and enjoying it and you can see my my side and I can see yours, then I will talk about the fact that we're not going to the fucking moon. Um, but the problem with that is there should never be us seeing your side of it. If you don't think we went to the moon, you're fucking dumb. We should never see your side. You shouldn't get to be like, well, you know, you think we went and I think we didn't go. We have the, all the proof is on my side. All the proof is on my side that we went to the fucking moon. Prove we didn't. Other than saying bullshit like, well, why didn't we go back? What the fuck? That's so dumb. That's like if I told you I went I went to the mall and I bought shoes. And you went, you never went to the mall. I go, I did. Look at the shoes. Nah, somebody brought those shoes over here. No, no, I went to the mall and bought shoes. Oh, really? If you went to the mall and bought those shoes, why didn't you go back to the mall and buy more shoes? Because I got the fucking shoes I wanted. We got the moon dust and the moon rocks we wanted. We drove around in the moon car all fucking day. We fucking cruised looking for moon chicks. We did the whole fucking bit. If you, if you choose not to believe that, that's because you're a fucking pudding head. All right? Nobody fucking cares. But... We went to the goddamn moon, all right? And you don't believe me? Listen to this fucking show. Listen to fucking two hours and 20 minutes of Fearful Jesuit telling you what the fuck we did, where we went, why we did it, and why you're fucking wrong, man, with your mid-19th century bullshit, man. Who are you, Edgar Allan Poe? The fuck out of here. And also, I learned that Elon Musk is the nice goldfinger, which made me laugh out loud. Uh, all right, so please subscribe to this show. I, I, I Perhaps I'm underselling it. Perhaps I'm overselling it. Who knows? But you won't know until you download it and listen for yourself and subscribe and listen and follow along and write our friend Jesuit. Make a, you know, to me a favor, make a review in the iTunes store. Go ahead and put a little note that says, Hey, how you doing? Uh, maybe you don't write like Joey from friends, but then you also say, Hey, I love this show. And Mike Schmidt told me to come here and listen to it. And he was right. And we're all right. Now, anybody reading this should go listen to Mike Schmidt show and tell everybody they love that. Oh my God. Look at that turn of events. Look what I just did. That's mirror image of people jerking each other off. That's log rolling in our time as spy magazine would call it. So it's out there. The paranoid strain podcast available right now in the iTunes store. Subscribe, download, listen, love. And I think Hold on, yawning. I think a new one's coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. So, uh, but I'm I'm lucky. I finally caught up. I listened to our our moon landing one, and now I need you guys to go ahead and jump on board with everything else. So we're all on the same page. And and if you're not going to do it, you know what to say to you, Jesus H Christ in a chicken basket. Why wouldn't you do something like that, huh? Huh? <laughs> so do that. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Hey, who wants to do a cameo with me? Everybody? Yes, maybe. Uh, it's funny. I see all these new people on Cameo now. Not only not only famous people, but also uh, a lot of people like me. Not really famous people, and they're 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 doing all sorts of stuff. And look, Cameo exists. Why not? It's out there. It's the it's the side eye of side hustles. That's what I'm going to call it. It's hey, I'll give you a I'll send you a video of me. I I don't know. I I'm sure some people like it. I bet there's a value in it. It's, there's value added certainly when you have me involved. <laughs> But uh, go to Cameo and find me. It's book Cameo uh, on your on your fucking laptop or whatever the fuck. Or if you download Cameo, the app, look for me. My name is Mike Schmidt. Hi, I'm the host of the 40 year old boy podcast and I'm lurking in there. I just saw an ad from Nick DiPaolo and he's like, I'll tear your friends a new asshole. If you want me to tell him to fuck off, I will. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, look, I like Nick. You know what I mean? I, I. I once was compared favorably to Nick and I considered it a huge honor because as a stand-up, 
uh, you know, years ago, I, I loved him to death. I loved him so much. Um, and he's out there now doing cameos, man. And, and why would you ever hire me when that, when Nick DiPaolo was out there waiting to tear your friends, a new asshole, I'll tell them they're fucking dicks and jerks. Marar. Uh, and I used to pitch myself as that Remember, I was like, Hey, I'll be mean to your friends. And then I was like, Hey, I'll say hi to your aunt. Well, with Nick DiPaolo out there taking care of the, I'll be mean to your friends market. Um, I'm going to corner the, I'll say hi to your aunt market. So please, if your aunt, if your auntie needs a hello, needs a, a, how do you do? If she needs a, how do you do madam? If she needs me to bow or curtsy, if she wants me to gavot, I'll do that. What the fuck? Maybe I do that. <laughs> Maybe I'll, and I'll tell you what, if I gavot for your aunt, I'm going to fucking watch myself gavotte for your aunt. So uh, so go ahead and book me to do that, please. Um, any of those things are available on Cameo. Like I said, Nick has the mean stuff handled. But if you want me to be friendly, if you want me to tell your kid he did good on a test, I can do that. I'll tell you, here's a, here's a way to look. Look at this. Let's bring Cameo to real life. Have your kid draw something like some bullshit art, whatever your kid does. Some, nah, some fucking nonsense, colors outside the lines, stick figures, whatever the fuck. Now, you send that to my P.O. box which I will give you if you write me, then I get it. I make a cameo of myself putting that drawing on my fucking refrigerator. And your kid loves you. He loves me. Uh, he doesn't love his art teacher very much because he made him draw stick figures and bullshit. But still at the same fucking time, look at me. I'm innovating. I'm making cameo even more. I'm making cameo like 3D. That's like reaching through the phone and giving me a hand job. Eh, let's not involve your kid in that then. Let's go ahead and take your kid off the table. But still, or your aunt. Actually, you know, bring your aunt back in. Your kid's out. Your aunt's back in. Reach to the phone and jerk me off. Um, send me a naked picture of your aunt. And then, I, and then I will cameo for her and I'll put that on my fridge. I have a crowded fridge. Thanks to you guys and cameo. Please look me up. I'm on there. I want to do those things. I'm awesome. So find me on Cameo right now. It's a it's an app on your phone. And and uh, like, as, as I said, other people have the mean market. Maybe I go the other way. Maybe I'm just super fucking nice. I tell your aunt how sexy she is in her naked lingerie. And I tell your kid what a fantastic artist he is by lying to him about that and telling him to cut off his ear like Picasso. Uh, I could be wrong with some of those names and some of those facts, but I don't care. Book me, Cameo. Why not? Book me cameo, book me daddy-o. You know what? You know what? As a matter of fact, go to daddy-o.com and book me on there. Find me on daddy-o and get me to do something. Uh, that's where I, you know, I dress up in an old school Jerry G. Bishop fucking Svengoolie wig and I snap my fingers and go daddy-o. And then I, I hit the bong, man, or whatever the fuck they do. I, I drop some LSD tabs, some sugar cubes or whatever the fuck. Uh, and then I just talk about hepcats, man. That's what we do on daddy-o.com. That's me. That's my daddy-o.com logo. Daddy-o. I think I said Badio. Either, you know what? Book me at Badio. Why not? Book me at all. Book me at MikeBadio.com. I, I play a double fucking neck guitar. It's be fucking amazing. Look at all these things you can do for me. Why not? I'm side hustling all over the goddamn place. It's not like, I, it's not like I'm fucking going to get a job ever. That's never fucking happening again. Uh, <laughs> so book me for fucking everything. Why not? Hey, I'm on YouTube. Go to the YouTube channel. That exists. We are, we are current. With all the podcasts, although last week's not up there yet, but it will be soon. But the YouTube channel exists, and it's fantastic. If you go there and subscribe, please, that would be great because it lets them know that, hey, people are paying attention to Mike on YouTube. Are there more YouTube videos coming along? There will be certainly some in the pipeline. I have ideas. Like, I almost I almost bought these mystery Oreos to try on a, a thing, and I'm like, nobody wants to watch me eat mystery Oreos because I talk myself out of fucking everything, man. Um, except for daddyo.com. That's something for sure. I'm buying that at GoDaddy the second I hang up. Maybe I, maybe I get it at GoDaddyo.com. 
did, have you ever really have you ever just sat and thought how lucky you are to get this show? Seriously, have you ever just really thought to yourself, Jesus fucking Christ, this dude out of nothing, out of the primordial soup, he makes up daddyo.com, godaddyo.com, he makes up mikebadio.com. He's the fucking king. I am the fucking king. I am the fucking talent, man. Crown me, you fucks. Dennis Green the shit out of me. We let him off the hook. Uh, so go to YouTube. I got videos there back when I used to be funny. I wasn't trying to beg you to hire me to fucking rake your yard. What the fuck I'm doing with my life these days? Uh, hey, so I've mentioned that uh, we have the sponsor, the Paranoid Strain. We have a Patreon page. Did you guys know this? Well, we do, you dicks. Uh, Patreon exists, and I'm going to welcome our newest Patreon subscriber. Well, you're thinking to yourself, well, Mike, isn't Patreon dying on the vine? It is not, because my Patreon is flourishing. There's a bloom. We have a new bloom on the Patreon tree, and it's our buddy. Here he is. Brace yourself for this name. B-Boy Jags has stepped up, and he is sponsoring our content. Look at that motherfucker. He's sponsoring all of us. That's right, all of you. Everybody gets a piece. But B-Boy Jags steps up, and he's the newest Patreon dude, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much, B-Boy Jags, for thinking of me and signing up. You can do the same thing. Go to patreon.com and search me, Mike Schmidt. Hi, or look for my name, uh, the 40 year old boy podcast, any of those things. You'll find me and you look at my smirking dimpled face in the in the cover photo. And then there's a, a little logo guy. There's all sorts of cool ass stuff there. So please go to Patreon and subscribe. And are there more Patreon videos coming to tell you about things that are coming? Oh, certainly there are. They'll get in line behind the YouTube videos. Look at me. I almost made I almost bought some mystery Oreos and made a video of myself on Patreon eating those. And I talked myself out of it. <laughs> what if that was the case? I talked myself out of every platform doing the mystery Oreo. I was going to do them on Facebook, but I went, ah, I got to talk myself out of this. Um, but did I still buy the mystery Oreos? Perhaps. Perhaps they're on my countertop right now. Perhaps I haven't opened them yet and I have not tried to eat them yet because I want to do it on camera. But I can't decide which venue to use. I uh, Decisions, decisions. Oh, payday? Lawyer's salary, please. Uh, folks, here's the deal. I'm available right now at Patreon. Go ahead and download it and sign me up for like our boy B-Boy Jags did. Um I also, if you go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com and you go to the merchandise page, which you all know in your heart is the... Is the uh, is the Joe business page. Uh, there's an Amazon link on there that you can use. It was down for a day, but now it's back up and running. I can't imagine the amount of money I lost on that fucking day, but it exists now. Go to the MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the merchandise page. Click on the Amazon link, and then we get money. They get money. You get stuff. It works out perfectly. You're buying stuff from Amazon anyway. Think of us. Use us. It costs you nothing extra. It costs you 10 seconds, if that. You go to you go to my website. You click on the fucking banner link, and all of a sudden you're shopping. Look at you floating around in the Amazon pool, floating floating around in the uh, amniotic Amazon fluid dot com. And you're buying stuff like a newborn babe. And we're getting credit for it. We're getting a taste of the gig. And everybody's happy. We go to Lake Wazapamani. Everybody's thrilled. We put on fucking towels. We talk to Steve Lawrence. And uh, and that's the best part of it. Just talking to Steve Lawrence. So go ahead and click on that link. Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the merchandise page, which is the Joe Business page. And you click on the Amazon link. And boom, you're shopping. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. You were going to go and do it any way. So what the fuck, man? Why would you ever freeze us out? Uh, you want to buy something nice for your aunt? Go ahead and use our link. Look at this. Your aunt is benefiting from this entire podcast. God damn, I love your aunt. What if I married your aunt? What if I did that? What if I just railed your aunt? Would you be pissed off? I mean, dude, if I railed your aunt, what if you did? Seriously, you came home one day and I'm just there, man. And I'm just fucking Mike Carnett, white fucking boxer briefs. And I'm rummaging through your fridge and your aunt has just worked. She can't even fuck. She got fuck me hair and she's just her fucking ankle is hanging out from under the covers. And you know, she's naked under the rest. Your aunt just got fucking railed, man. I worked the shit out of her and now I'm in the fucking kitchen getting some orange juice for both of us. Are you mad at me? Or do you think, God damn, Mike Schmidt gets the job done when it comes to ants. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that happens. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to and or meet your aunt or talk about your aunt on cameo slash daddyo slash com or godaddyo.com. They're all existing. All of them exist. Uh, so please go to, go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com, go to the merchandise page, which is the Joe business page, click on the Amazon banner and then fly around in Amazon and buy a bunch of shit and we'll get some money. It's going to be fantastic. Just like NBA action a million years ago. Uh, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be on rock solid. I did rock solid. The podcast with my good friend, Pat Francis. He did uh, we did a Quentin Tarantino once upon a time in Hollywood soundtrack show. I go that with a pen. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. I don't want to sneeze on the air. Fuck. I'm going to sneeze. And I apologize to you guys. God, God damn it. I'm sorry. I should I cut that out. I'm going to, Oh no. <laughs> second sneeze. You can't know. See, there's a fucking second sneezer. Uh, and that, that's in line with paranoid strain with their fucking Kennedy assassination show. The second sneezer out there in the grassy knoll from, from two months ago. Uh, let me write down the time code. See if I can remember that. And will I remember that? Who knows? Uh, you know who's sad right now? Your aunt. She's making me chicken soup. She thinks I have a cold. Um, what the fuck was I talking about before my brain flew out of my goddamn nasal passages? Uh, oh, rock solid. I'm on there. I'm, re- I'm doing a, a bunch of stuff. A lot of talking about once a time in Hollywood. And I'll tell you this too. Uh, I had just come home from, from flying uh, and I had, I have a story about something that I, when I flew home, there was something that happened on the plane and I wound up telling it on his show and I'll tell it here next week. But if he puts the show out early, you'll hear it there first, and then you'll hear uh, it here as well. So I apologize for duplicating a story, but it just, he goaded me. I got goaded by the host of Rock Solid. He's like, well, tell the story. And I was like, fuck. So I was into my brain because I can go, I haven't even told the story on my show yet. Because then he just looked like a dick bag in front of an open microphone. So uh, I told it, I told it on there, but I'll tell it on here and you can get it on both places and who the fuck cares. But uh, that's available right now. If you, and that's if you become a Patreon for Rock Solid, you can get it now because it was part of the ASAP Club. But if you don't want to do that, you just want to wait for it to come out. I think it comes out in a couple of weeks. But just letting you know, I recorded it. It's in the pipeline. And uh, once he goes ahead and he puts that out, then it'll be, then I can't get out of it. Then it's out there and everybody hears about it. Everybody loves it and they, they fucking can't wait to listen to it. I'm sorry, I'm babbling. So that's available. Rock Solid. Hey, who wants to drive for Uber or Lyft? Is it you? Is it fucking you? Might be. I have codes you can use for Lyft. It's Mike 720057. That's Mike 720057. For Uber, it's DJZW1YTTUE. That's DJZW1YTTUE. And go ahead and use those if you want to be a driver. Uh, Our friend Brian just signed up, and he has not done any drives yet, which is fine. But uh, it's that thing where they're like, hey, man, he's got 30 days to do 100 rides. And when he does, you get $9 or whatever the fuck I get. Um, because they have really cut the bonuses in fucking half. And also this shit fucking, they cut the bonuses and now they did this thing where like, I can't even pick a fuck cause I'm, I'm Uber blue now cause I didn't drive as much. They cut me from Uber gold to Uber blue, uh, until you see the righteous ones, the Uber blue, uh, <laughs> so I'm Uber blue now, which means, I don't know. It means that I have to drive hobos. I can't figure out what their fucking rules are. But uh, this is the weird thing. They they keep they want me to take background checks. They've they've done three background checks on me in like a month. I keep getting this notice where they send me an email. And they're like, you're, oh, when you open your app, you got to do a background check and they want you to authorize it. So I authorize it. And I think it's because they lost that lawsuit in California where they're pissed off that they got to pay drivers like employees, or that, which they're denying that they're going to do it and whatever. I don't give a shit again, out completely out of my pay grade. I drive the car. I take the people. 
I, I honk the horn. That's what I do. That's what I do for. I I drive the car. I I take the people. I I I honk the horn. Fuck fuck. That's how I handle my business at Uber. Okay. So these motherfuckers instead now. They, they lost a court ruling or something in California was signed. It's like it's a robot AB5. And now I guess all Uber people are supposed to be employees of the company. So we get benefits and an hourly rate and, and, and shit that's never going to happen in a billion fucking years because rich people never have to do what they're told. So Uber is like, because uh, literally because this ruling came down and Uber went, nah, we, we don't think we're going to obey that. Everybody's like, no, you got it. And they're like, nah, we're a technology company, not a driving company. So these people don't really work for us. They choose to fucking participate in our technology. And so well, they parse out all that fucking Bill Clinton, who knows what is, is horseshit. I'm still going to be just taking people around as Uber Blue and doing a million fucking background checks, which I which cracks me up about it because they like they're like, hey, we need to do a background check. So I'm like, all right. And I said, I authorize it. And then I get the background check in the email and they're like, you're good to go. There's nothing here, man. You're totally clean. Woo. I mean, other than fucking some ants. And I'm like, great. And then like three days later, they're like, hey, man, we need to do a background check on you. And I'm like, what the fuck do you think I did in three days that you need to check up on me again? Is this just a scare tactic to like weed out some drivers or get some guys out or just to exhaust people so they fucking bail because they don't want that many employees on the fucking payroll? I got no idea, but I, I okayed it. I'm like, fine, do another background check. They do. They do a second one. And just yesterday I get another email. It's like, hey, we need to do a background check for you for Uber. I'm like, what the fuck, man? What possibly, what crimes could I have possibly done? What could I possibly have committed in this in two days, you fuckheads? And, and now I'm not doing it. So we'll see if they let me drive. They could be like, well, you know, you really got to do this background check. Well, like, you did two fucking background checks on me, you motherfuckers. It's not like, like if I was Ubering and robbing banks and I'm wearing a fucking kerchief and people are reporting my ass, that'd be a different fucking story. But if you just think that you're going to fucking go ahead and trick me into some bullshit and do three background checks, are you trying, maybe they're trying to just dig up some horrible kernel. Maybe they started listening to this fucking show. Maybe that's it. They dig back and they find out that I fucking hid in somebody's shower a million fucking years ago. They're like, hold on a second. That should be on the background check. Hey, did you get arrested once? Yeah, I did. Hey, did you punch a karaoke? DJ, I might have. Did you have a gun pulled on your head at a uh, bouncer? Yeah. Did you start a fight with Rick James? Maybe I did. I mean, these are all easily found on the internet. You can go ahead and listen to the show, but maybe they do that. I just love the idea. That's the thing I love is I love the idea of Uber having one guy assigned to just me and he's got to listen to all 550 whatever the fuck shows and he's got to fucking discover something getting right up to this moment and finding out that I fucked his aunt. That's that is the key to the whole fucking thing. This motherfucker's had to sit there and listen and whine and piss and moan, but eventually so he shows up here and finds out that I fucked his fucking hand and changed the whole world. I changed his whole game. Ted, you tell your uncle to fucking get a job.
Toledo Podcast. Podcast. Podcast.